Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where we look like Blossom. I'm your host, Certified Dud Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and we'll have ever so much fun. <laughs> and who else? I'm Nina Matsumoto, and stuff sucks. <laughs> it really does. And yeah. Today's episode is Summer of Four Foot Two. Schools out! Up yours, Krabobble! Today's episode aired on May 19th, 1996, and as always, Henry will tell us what other stuff happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, on top of all the stuff that I mentioned in the last week's episode, on May 19th, an asteroid surprises astronomers by getting within 450,000 kilometers of Earth. Mm. It was just like in their blind spot. They're like, oh, that almost hit us. Weird. Murder, she wrote, and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air both air their final episodes. Aw. I assume that asteroid or meteor, what was it? It was an asteroid. I assume that was what inspired in two years Deep Impact in Armageddon, that story, that just that story itself. Just that news story. It was on Time Magazine. Every dude in Hollywood saw that. They're like, okay, this is is the next movie. DreamWorks tried to beat, no, they did beat Paramount to it, I think. By a few months. It was like Deep Impact was April and Armageddon was like the summer. Mm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I saw Deep Impact. I've never seen Armageddon actually. Mm. Armageddon's the more memorable one for me because it's, well, really just from that Aerosmith song. Yeah, that's all I can remember. Yeah. Uh, How can you forget? I don't want to miss a thing. I can still hear that song when I get my hair cut. So, uh, (laughs) uh, what was the other news thing? I'm sorry. Oh, that it was that the Murder She Wrote and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air ended their run. You know what? Both really good shows. I I feel like, go back to Murder She Wrote it's a lot of fun and Fresh Prince I like that it's still getting a lot of play in memes on Twitter <laughs> I see a lot of DJ Jazzy Jeff being thrown out of the house on Twitter <laughs> which is great it got syndicated so heavily that I feel like no child watching afternoon television was unaware of the Fresh Prince in I, the 90s. I, I think it's even too uh, now it's too old for Nick at Night for the Fresh Prince it was <laughs> oh, old God. enough for Nick at Night 15 years ago I know I've seen the finale for Fresh Prince but do you remember what happens in it he's crowned the Prince of Bella. Uh, okay, okay. no it's actually a weird like shrug their shoulders like oh yeah I guess it's over it's like, where they, they have to decide like they realize they gave Will Smith nothing to do They're the, the Fresh Prince has no future he's a college dropout and doesn't know what he's going to do and everybody else is moving out of town away from him and they're like what, what am I going to do and mm. like, at the end 
they just decide like, well, we'll that'll be fine in an apartment. And that's it. And they just have the, <laughs> yeah, a, I kind of remember people moving. That's all I can remember. Yeah, him being yeah. sad. Him well, just sad in the empty uh, mansion. He was driving off to movie town. He was going to drive <laughs> off to Independence Day a few months later, right? Well, yeah, the future was extremely bright for real Will Smith. Yeah. But for the fictional Will Smith, it was kind of kind of dim. And yeah, Murder, She Wrote was, had been on so long that they had had Brian Cranston on like twice as two different murder suspects it, over over the course of 12 years. I think this was by the time, I mean, by the time the last seasons came around. So the intro to Murder, She Wrote is her writing Murder, She Wrote mm-hmm. on a typewriter. By this point, it had become a word processor. <laughs> I bet the, the elderly audience was freaking out. Like, So if they did a reboot, she'd be typing on her iPad? She'd be like mm-hmm. in VR, moving the letters around <laughs> in front of her. Uh, I think that's how it would work. But, so what happens in the finale, though? People stop dying around her? Is she can uh, no longer write about murder? Well, I know it's not like a retirement type finale for her because they then would do TV movies after it. So yeah. it's not even like the character dies or she's like, I'm retiring from book writing or anything. And, and I think there's a larger universe surrounding Murder, She Wrote. Like Matlock might even be a part of it or Diagnosis, diagnosis Murder. murder yeah, anything with, anything with murder and type. Boy, <laughs> CBS has really changed their programming lineup, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. And I hate even saying the word Cosby Mysteries, but I think that was also a related show to it. Oh, the, I, I think we solved the Cosby Mystery. Yeah, yes. thankfully that case yeah, closed. Uh, so let's talk to our guest, Nina <laughs> yeah. Matsumoto. Eisner Award-winning uh, artist Nina Matsumoto. Uh, yeah. Nina, who are you? Why did we invite you here? There, there are very good reasons for both of these things. So I was brought onto the show not just because I'm a huge Simpsons fan, and I, I did the artwork for the sh- uh, your guys' show and all that, but also because I work for the Simpsons. Uh, kind of. No, I don't animate for the show, as many people first believe when I bring this up. I <laughs> do work for Bongo Comics, and Bongo Comics uh, is Matt Groening's publishing company, and they've done Simpsons comics and Futurama comics, and now they do Spongebob comics, among other things. Oh, I didn't know they did yeah. Spongebob. Wow. Yeah, that's a more recent development, but they've been around for a really long time. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, not many people in North America seems to know about it. Uh, they're really mm. big in Europe, though. Really? Yeah, Europe know. loves Simpsons comics, apparently. I was a I was a Bongo comic reader from day one. I kind of fell off uh, over the years, but you could always count on it to be quality Simpsons stuff, though. It, it felt like it had a more all-ages bent than even the show does, right? Oh, the, definitely. Yeah. I, I mostly just did Bart Simpson comics for a while, actually. Um, the Bart Simpson comics has ended its run. I actually got to do the final issue, which was issue 100. Oh, it was nice. like, wow. yeah, it was like double size or whatever. Yeah, Bart Simpson comics was more about uh, the kids. So that was definitely all ages. Uh, Simpsons comics, technically, it's all ages. And whenever I would do conventions and I have Simpsons comics at the table, I would get like a bunch of kids like going like, wow, Simpsons comics and, and getting it signed and all that. And I would think to myself, oh, also their parents would say things like, uh, we won't let them watch the show yet, but we let them read the comics. But then you look at the comics and it, it still has some like racy jokes in there yeah. and they, they're still drinking and smoking and there's like sexy ladies and stuff like that how many so mo, are there a lot of mo suicide jokes in the comics <laughs> i mean you just you just penciled a mo uh a special right yeah uh, as of yeah this recording. yeah the mighty mo sizzlack number one uh it's just a one shot but they call it one, number one anyway just for fun mm. it just came out like this week i believe I, I drew that like a year ago almost a year ago and it was released digitally but i guess they decided to release it physically yeah i was surprised when i saw it in the comic book store uh, here, right here in San Francisco. Yeah, if you were, if you would allow me to compliment you, Nina, like your stuff is so versatile. I didn't know until uh, semi recently that a lot of the fan gamer stuff that I own is work that you've done. Like a lot of great T-shirt designs. You also do prints and stuff like that. Can you talk about more of, of what you've done outside of the Simpsons comics? Right. Yeah, I do a lot of different kinds of artwork, not just Simpsons, which is good. Like it's good to be a versatile artist because that gets me a lot of different kinds of jobs. But at the same time, like you mentioned, a lot of people don't realize how many things I've done. A lot of 
a lot of times people tell me like, oh, I have the shirt of yours or I've seen this picture, but I had no idea you did it. <laughs> or if I do a convention, they'd be like, so did you do all this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, yes. And they're like, really? I'm like, do you think I'm lying about this? What the hell? I, th- I think we all work jobs where people have horrible misconceptions. I don't blame them because oh, yeah. they're very specialized jobs, but also you get some weird questions too. Oh boy. Yeah. Lots, yeah. lots and lots of weird questions. But yeah, I mainly do, well, in the past couple of years, I've been mainly working for Fangamer. So Fangamer does a lot of video game merchandise. I guess mo- more recently, we've been doing stuff like uh, indie games, especially. So merchandise for uh, Shovel Knight, Slime Rancher, Stardew Valley. Well, Undertale is the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because oh, Toby yeah. Fox has been a friend of Fangamer slash Starman.net, which they first started as for like a really, really long time. Oh, man, I didn't know. It was Star- yeah. I remember Starman yeah. and buying shirts off of that. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been following Fangamer for a long time just because they were the first group to make non-embarrassing video game t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's kind of what Fangamer specializes in. <laughs> yeah. more, more subtle, kind of, I guess, classy video game t-shirts. Yeah, because like if you go to Target in, like I don't know, 15 years ago, you would see a Mega Man t-shirt that would say, like, say hello to my little friends or whatever. It's just some dumb like movie quote on a video game if t-shirt. If you saw that, or yeah. you'd see, I loved Mario t-shirts shirts but if i got a mario t-shirt it said like everybody loves an italian boy or i say the princess or <laughs> yeah. whatever. it's like i don't want this dumb shit on this yeah I, I just recently saw um licensed nintendo t-shirt at walmart that had it just had an nes controller on it and it said classically trained yep mm, yeah. good yeah so there is some collusion here retro uh, sorry uh, fan gamer does make retronauts t-shirts so we're all in this together uh, it's all <laughs> money's being passed under the table right now fan gamer is good people though they're great yeah. yeah you've been a simpsons fan for a very long time even before you started drawing the the comics right yes so i was born in 1984 mm. i was very young when the show first went on i did not get a chance to see the the almond stuff ever because like i'm from vancouver bc canada uh, mm. i was born and raised there i still live there we didn't get whatever network they played the tracy Ullman show on mm. which network was that, well, that, that was, fox. That was fox yeah, yeah. It's the same it was the same network as simpsons we got fox but we just never got that show. I wouldn't be surprised that like it was mm-hmm. it was it was not a big hit here, so mm-hmm. I could see it not getting localized. Yeah. yeah, I did see it eventually. Like I saw it in syndication in a Canadian channel, but mm-hmm. that was like way after the th- the fact. That was way after the the 138th episode. Oh, really? Spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I was one of those people who had no idea that even existed, like the almond stuff. So when I saw it for the first time, I was like, "Is this real?" Like I <laughs> had the same reaction a lot of people did. You don't know. You didn't know if Troy McClure was lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seemed like it could have been just a, a, a weird joke that they were doing because that show was full of weird jokes yeah I, I only knew about those at the time I had never seen Ullman but um, at the time in like season one uh, they were like we need as much merchandise as possible so I bought this like Consumer Reports published book about the Simpsons before the first <laughs> season even ended it was like here's everything we could possibly write about the Simpsons where they started every every bio for like Harry Shearer and Dan Castellaneta it was just like scraping the bottom of the barrel but because of that I knew about the Ullman shorts yeah so I'm not sure exactly Exactly when I started watching a show, I have an older brother and sister, and I would pretty much watch whatever they watched. I, I it might have been the Christmas special. Like I like cartoons as a kid to a certain extent. It's weird. Like I was a really weird kid. I didn't like a lot of kids media and I'm still not a big fan of it. I have, I don't I have no idea. Like I didn't like being condescended to as a child. Like I didn't like other children. I didn't like my classmates. I preferred talking to the teachers instead. I wanted to know what their deal was and talk about 
how their day is and like their thoughts and, and not my classmates. A lot of kids shows back then, like I would watch things like Sesame Street and um, I guess if you're a Canadian, you would know what I'm talking about, but things like Fred Penner, Mr. Dress Up. Oh, Fred Penner um, was on Nickelodeon back when oh, they were okay. just like anything cheap and foreign, put it on the air. <laughs> and uh, that guy with the mouth harp, get him. Oh, okay. I that's who that is. It's just the guy yeah. with the mouth harp walking through the woods, right. right? Fred Penner's place? Is that what it was? The beginning, yeah, that's yeah, what he does. That's all I remember <laughs> about it. I assume <laughs> that's what the entire show was. Oh, uh, you're, you're not too far off. <laughs> oh, Sharon Lowe's and Bram are also Canadian, right? They have are to they? be. I'm pretty sure I they are. I never watched it, so I'm not uh, sure. You're missing nothing. There's <laughs> <laughs> no. Under the Umbrella Tree. Oh my God, we got all of these shows in oh, America. Yeah? Okay, yeah. That's, that's a very Canadian show. Uh, the Polka Dot Door, Big Friendly Giant. That's a very Canadian. You should look up the intro sometime and laugh at the mm. Canadian accent of the narrator. Mm. Anyway, so all those shows, I would watch them, but whenever they started doing things like singing and dancing, I would change the channel. <laughs> I just could not stand that kind of thing. So when I started watching The Simpsons as a kid, I, it really appealed to me because they didn't. It felt like they weren't talking down to their audience. Like there were a lot of jokes I didn't understand, but it didn't. You don't really care about that kind of thing when you're mm. a kid, as long as it's entertaining. Yeah. On a joke a minute show like The Simpsons, you if you don't get a joke, you just watch. In a minute, you'll get another joke anyway. So. I exactly. Think, I think we were all like just sort of precocious kids who would seek out entertainment that didn't talk down to us, which is why we like Batman the Animated Series and Ren and Stimpy and all the mm-hmm. Warner Brothers 90s cartoons. That They felt like they were a little smarter overall, and they definitely were a little smarter. So I was a weird kid who, <laughs> who didn't enjoy most children's media, but I watched The Simpsons. But I think I was one of the only kids my age who would watch The Simpsons. A lot of kids my age didn't understand what it was or mm. they knew it, but they're like, oh, this is like above me or whatever, like in terms of comprehension level. And they would rather watch stuff that's more suited to their age range. Yeah, yeah. I think with my with my friends, like just a, a regular school chum who I talked to <laughs> in the class, they wouldn't really know The Simpsons either. But I eventually amassed a friends group by like middle school that we all were like, well, we're all we all memorize The Simpsons, right? That's why we're all friends. It's funny. I mean, when the show started, uh, me and all of my fellow those school chums thought the show was quite corking <laughs> and we, had, we all had t-shirts there was, was there a similar simpsons mania in in the early years in canada i mean i i would assume that it did creep over the border but maybe it was bigger in america in the beginning yeah i remember male classmates of mine wearing bart simpson shirts and all that but i don't remember seeing too much merchandise to be honest like i would collect any piece of merchandise i could find which mm. was not a whole lot uh considering how much was released like I, I do feel like it was probably a bigger phenomenon in the states i own at least one underachiever and proud of it t-shirt i definitely mm. had that my mom would not give me a bart simpson who the hell are you <laughs> that was too dirty i had the famous cool your jets man uh <laughs> shirt, which i believe he said once yeah uh but was there ever was there like a delay uh between episodes in canada and america like in the uk it took them a long time to get our our stuff mm-hmm. but was it just sort of day and date in Canada? I don't think there was any kind of delay. No. Okay. By the time I became a bit older and like a super fan when I was like 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. I would definitely watch. Um, I definitely became more aware of the show like, as, as a good show, not just something fun to watch that's on TV. And uh, I would watch it every Sunday and like tape it and all of that. Well, did you like grew as an artist? You probably did, were some of the first things you drew Simpsons drawings? Oh, yeah. I drew Simpsons stuff like all the time. Mm. <laughs> Um, I did too, but I doubt it was as good as you. But I, when I was a kid, I drew Garfield and I drew Bart <laughs> Simpson all the time. I was like, well, these eyes are easy and I'll just draw things around it. It'll look enough like <laughs> It'll it. suggest a head. Yeah. Like I come from a Japanese family. Like my parents are from Japan, although mm-hmm. I was born in Vancouver. I grew up reading manga mostly. Like my favorite manga is Doraemon. So I drew a lot of Doraemon. Like my first, very first comic that I drew was a Doraemon fan comic. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
So I would say Simpsons was like the the one Western cartoon <laughs> that I really latched onto. Homer has sort of has a has a Doraemon kind of head. I'm thinking about it now in some Does way. Does he? Uh, I don't know. I'm putting it <laughs> do together. Do you know who Doraemon is? I do. I do. <laughs> they have a similar muzzle. Yeah, I'm thinking of the, the muzzle that could be and the, and the eyes close together Except too. Doraemon's uh, muzzle starts from his eyes though. That That's true. I kind of want to try drawing uh, Homer as oh, a kind of Doraemon face. Have you seen that like Homer slash Pikachu? Like, I, I've, I've seen that. Yes. <laughs> I want to try that, but with uh, Homer and Doraemon mashed up together. The next shit post needs to be uh, Homer and Doraemon, and Bart <laughs> could be the little boy from that series. But well, I do want to ask before we start the episode proper: uh, What is your favorite Canada bashing joke on the show? As a, as a longtime resident of Canada. Oh man, I loved it whenever they referenced Canada in any capacity. There wasn't much Canada rep on American shows back then. Well, even now, I guess. I think one of my favorites is when Bart uh, in You Only Move Twice and yeah. Bart is in the special class and they, one of the kids is, uh, I'm just from Canada and I talk a little slow. They think I'm slow, eh? And his name is Gordy. Oh, yeah, Gordy. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that I was going to say that was my favorite yeah. uh, Canadian uh, bashing joke by far. I also like the that's it back to Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, we just recorded that uh, one and oh, uh, yeah. Winnipeg is a long way from Cape Canaveral. <laughs> yeah. W- w- <laughs> Oh, you measured the distance? It's about a 30-hour drive. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yes. No, that was that was like hilarious because Winnipeg is not a kind of city that you would ever hear referenced ever. So to mm-hmm. hear it on The Simpsons was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. I think that was probably a three-hour conversation in the writing room. Like, <laughs> like which, what's, which the, Canadian what's the funniest city? Yeah. city? What's the funniest sounding city and most obscure but still popular city? Everyone's heard of Toronto. Everyone's heard of Montreal. I, I have a feeling they, they were thinking of funny American cities. And yeah, then they can- eventually decided, how about a Canadian city? That'd be funnier. <laughs> that, that did not not sound Canadian. It sounded like Dan Castaneda being like very Chicagoan. <laughs> That's true. Oh yeah. Also on the, the Japanese Simpsons comparison front, I think you were the one who directed me to Chibi Maruko-chan. Was that right? Oh I yeah, so. yeah. When we were talking about how the show Saze-san is, people sometimes compare it to The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But I think you were the one who pointed out that like Chibi Maruko-chan's more of a more Simpsony. Yeah. yeah have yeah. you had a chance to check out the show since? Yeah, I have because there's. Uh, I actually think he's a listener to the show. So hey, thumbs up if you are. But he is, yeah. There is a some saint is fan subbing Chibi Maruko-chan on YouTube, and uh, don't tell the Japanese people who own it. But it's so the first like thirty something episodes are on there. I've watched like five of them. It's it's a really funny show. Mm-hmm. And I had a, and also when I was just in Tokyo, like there was still Maruko-chan like merchandise in multiple places there. I was surprised. Oh yeah, there's there is still a lot of love for Maruko-chan out there. I I loved reading the manga when I was a kid, and I would say it has a a very kind of sarcastic sense of humor. Mm. which you don't normally see in in anime yeah yeah yeah. that's what reminded me of the simpsons in the in the episodes i watched was how it was about like how two sisters being mean to each other or a parent telling their kid to stop procrastinating on on the holiday break and get to work on their homework and just it was the kind of like more dysfunction stuff that i'm not used to seeing in families in in like most japanese media i've uh, seen yeah and the real star of the show i think is a narrator Mm. it kind of has like a almost an arrestant development type feel. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Say. I could see that. Yeah, that's where a lot of the sarcastic humor comes in, where Maruko Chan will like, say something like, I'm gonna do this tomorrow, and the narr- narrator will be like, she didn't, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, how do you feel about Kran Shinchen? Because I've, I've seen a bit of that, and I know it's always compared to The Simpsons. And it was one of those weird cases where in Japan it was sort of a family show, but it was also when they brought it over here, it was like in the middle. It was too racy to be a kid show and too gentle to be an adult show. So they hired American writers like Evan Dorkin to make a <laughs> yeah. new dub that was like way off script for it, like way dirtier than the original oh, ever was. I had was. no idea he worked in that show. Yeah, yeah. They, a lot of American comedy writers worked on the brief Adult Swim Shinchan. 
when I, it came I've out never here. actually watched the English version, but I heard they changed the script a lot. Yeah, yeah. Basically made like a whole new script for it instead of doing a direct translation. Uh, I read the manga when I was a kid and I thought it was pretty funny. I, I mean, it wasn't exactly my style of humor because... I'm not a big fan of crass humor like that. And there was a lot of crass humor in there. He's always taking his pants off. Yeah, <laughs> taking his pants off and like drawing on his dick and stuff like that <laughs> and showing it off to, to women. And, mm-hmm. Like there's one joke where he's shopping with his mom and he lifts up the skirt of a mannequin and he says to his mom loudly in the store like, hey, she doesn't have any hair like you down here. <laughs> oh, boy. Lots of jokes like that, which would not really fly here. I just love how the characters look in that manga. Sorry, this is way off topic, but it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's kind of racy in some of some of the Simpsons if you're looking for similar Japanese things. Uh, who are your favorite Simpsons characters to draw? I am curious about that too. Oh, ever since I was little, I like drawing Lisa the best. Mm. She's I think she's one of the easier characters to draw, honestly. Um, except for her hair, I guess. Her hair is very specific. It's hard to get her eight points just right, like evenly mm. spaced out, so that it like ends up being eight points in the very end. Because it's like you got to draw them in a circle. I mean, there are tricks to getting it right, which I eventually learned. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a tough thing in general when you're drawing official Simpsons merchandise as opposed to like, if you're drawing Simpsons for yourself, you're just doing it for yourself. But if you're doing it through the machine of the Simpsons, you've got to be on model. Like it's got to look yeah. exactly mm-hmm. to the rules. So that's that's got to be a lot of extra pressure. I was curious in terms of staging where you're sort of moving the camera, quote unquote, around. Are there certain angles of the characters where you're like, this would be a cool layout, but it's these characters do not look like they should at this angle so I have to sort of change things around mm, I haven't run into too many problems like that because whenever I think of when I got the script and I think I imagine how it will play out on paper I imagine it like it's on the show and I've seen that I'm so familiar with the show uh-huh. now that uh, I, I basically know how to stage the characters and I think the writers have that in mind too yeah so it's, it's not really a big deal. But yeah, like I've been drawing th- those characters for such a long time. Like if you look at all my school notes as a kid, mm-hmm. they're all just like little doodles of like Bart and Lisa everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would also write out like entire song lyrics, sometimes like entire scripts of episodes. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, they're just everywhere in my notes. So when I eventually, I did like one year of traditional animation training. The first year I got out of high school, I was like 17 years old. So I was definitely the youngest person in my class. And I was surrounded by all these like really, really amazing artists. Um, About a lot of older people, like people in their 30s, who I guess did something else and then decided I'm going to be an animator and uh, went to animation school. I went to animation school in Vancouver. I didn't want to become an animator. I always wanted to do comics. But at the time, there weren't really any options for me, um, education wise, for comic books. All the comic programs were in the states and that would have cost way too much Mm. so the next best thing was to to go to an animation school so that's what so that's what i did and there was one assignment where we had to draw simpsons character it was like a layout assignment and it involved i can't remember i wish i remember what scene it was exactly (laughs) they did give us an official like sketch of a scene and then part of a script so we had to draw the the layout I, i think it took place in the simpsons living room and you had to draw homer doing something so you had to do all the key poses Oh, that's cool. It was really cool. I was like, yeah, this is right up my alley. And when I was drawing that, I was, okay, I'm, I'm not bragging or anything. <laughs> I was 17, so I was like the least, ex- the least ex- uh, experienced artist in my class. Everyone was a better artist than me. And yet, I could draw Homer most on model out of anyone. Everyone was struggling. They were like, well, this character design is so simple. Why can't we get this right? I'm like, <laughs> I've done this forever. <laughs> that was my moment to shine. 
It's uh, sort of like how we just talk to each other in Simpsons language. It's like a lot of it uh, is just burned into your brain, so you can just recall it so naturally. It's just like the, one of the first things you can think of in any moment. Yeah, exactly. That was like mm-hmm. the one assignment I really excelled at. Like, not that it was super important to be right on model for that, because it was about the layout, not the drawing. Mm-hmm. But still, it was really cool to see how there were all these really amazing artists who still couldn't get the style down <laughs> because it's so specific. Uh, well, before we get into the episode, I want to say uh, you, with another person who worked with at Bongo, you just put out new kids book right yeah so ian boothby has been with bongo comics way longer than me he's done i would say he's written most of the stories for for them Mm. it's weird there's a lot of people who work for bongo comics in bc there's me there's ian boothby there's james lloyd there's john delaney and we're all in bc just kind of coincidentally uh for some reason um so ian ian um Ian and I won an Eisner together. Woo! Awesome. On, uh, yeah, Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> Number 14. We, we won Best Short Story for a story called Murder He Wrote. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> uh, relevant. Yeah, yeah, very relevant. Yeah, what, what, does, when I heard what does an Eisner word look like? Is it just like a, like a okay, so for pendant l- or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but I wear it on my, my neck anyway. Uh, for the <laughs> longest time, it was just a plaque. But I'm really lucky. I, I won back in 2009. They had just changed it to a trophy. It's uh, really heavy. I, I should have brought it, actually. <laughs> Put my legs up casually on the table. It rolls out of my pant legs. <laughs> it's much better than that most improved odor trophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really heavy trophy. And it's got a globe on it that says Will Eisner awesome. Award 2009. And it spins, too. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, so like Ian and I... Although we both lived in Vancouver and we worked on Simpsons comics together, we never actually met each other until way after we won the Eisner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even if after we won, we didn't like make plans to meet with each other because we're, we're both, well, he's a writer, I'm an artist, we're both shut-ins and <laughs> we both have like social anxiety and all that. Both uh, like Lenny in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And, but we eventually met up at a convention and uh, the first thing he said to me was like, yay, we won an Eisner together. And I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> and then we've been, we just got along really well and we became, we've been friends ever since and we collaborated on like a few different projects some pitches that didn't really go anywhere and eventually one of the pitches stuck and that was Sparks and Sparks just came out uh, at the end of February you might have seen it as a preview for Free Comic Book Day because Colossic chose to publish like the first I think 29 pages for Free Comic Book Day yeah and it's about two cats that dress up as a dog in order to save people because people don't take cats seriously as heroes. <laughs> oh, this book has an agenda now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. I, I, I've read some of it. It's, it's really neat. I didn't get the free comic book day thing for, but that's really cool that you guys are like, you know, mm-hmm. got this big day. Like you've been touring around and doing signings for it and stuff. Yeah, there was free comic book day at the beginning of this month. We did a signing for that. Then we went to uh, TCAF in Toronto and did a signing there. Then we went, did Vancouver Comic Art Festival um, the weekend after. Yeah, we might yeah. do more signings. Uh, it's only been like a few months since the book's been released and we've already done so much for it. It's been a it's crazy I've, uh, ride. I've really enjoyed all of your uh, road trip comics that yeah, you've been drawing. Yeah. And I have to say oh, uh, to our listeners, she is not a uh, coyote person. That's all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually a human. I love that for, well, would you say a fursona or just your other, <laughs> I love your character. Yeah, it's, it's not a fursona, but I call it, I call her my uh, mascot character, okay. which is the Space Coyote, because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on, I've been known online for a long time as Space Coyote for, I don't know, forever. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as that episode, well, 
I'm sure the listeners know where that comes yes, from. Yeah. Um, but just uh, that's the Johnny Cash voice, yeah, spirit guy. Shortly after that episode came out, I, I adopted <laughs> Space Coyote as my online name because I liked it so much. And for the longest time, I never revealed what my actual name was until I became, uh, quote unquote, discovered online, which we can talk about some other time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like uh, for a long time, I had actually what I wanted to talk about uh, very briefly was the fact that I had a website for a long time for The Simpsons. I was like really active in the online Simpsons fandom, um, I'd say in the mid, mid-90s. mid Wow. Yeah. Is it, I had a website when I was 13 years old, like 13 to 15 years old. That's amazing. Yeah, on yeah. GeoCities. Like, I coded it myself in wow. Notepad and all that. And that's when Fox was shutting down all the websites because they didn't understand oh, yeah. uh, fans at that time. Yeah, if you had like sound clips on your site or as we called them back then, frame grabs. <laughs> <laughs> Waves. <laughs> Waves and yeah. frame grabs. If you had any of those, then yeah, they would they would send you a cease and desist yeah, letter. It was, letter. It, was, it was called getting foxed, is getting your <laughs> website, website shut down, like your X-Files website or your Simpsons website. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just wondering like how many listeners remember my site or or me being around as a Simpsons webmaster at all. Because <laughs> I, w- I would say my site was never super popular, but I was, I, I was friends with all the really popular uh, webmasters. Mm and their websites. So I would chat every single day with them in a giant group chat on ICQ. What was the name of your website, your Simpsons website? My website was called Little Plagmatic Quorum Set Port. Uh, <laughs> oh, perfect. That's why this episode is a perfect one for you to do. Mm-hmm. Given the era that it existed in, I thought it'd be like Nina's Simpson Zone or something, because every <laughs> website at that point was like your name, the thing you're interested in, and like the name of a place. There like, were a lot of sites like that, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to avoid that kind of uh, website name. I wanted something cool. And when this episode came out, I don't know what compelled me to do it. I guess because I'm a, I was a big Lisa fan. I decided to base my, I decided to make that the theme of my website. I figured it was like, um, it was such a unique setting mm-hmm. that I could make my site unique by uh, basing it off of that. And the website background was Lisa's t-shirt print as a pattern. Oh, <laughs> awesome, man. I it, was, if, yeah. it was not awesome. <laughs> it oh. was very hard to read. It's better than a space background, which was 90% of the backgrounds and websites in 1996. Oh, no, no, 90% of the website backgrounds for Simpsons fan sites was the clouds at the beginning. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> Poor, yeah. Poorly tiled as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> My favorite of old backgrounds on websites were on the anime web rings, I would see that would usually be like different versions of like steel or metal co- uh, mm. cover like multi frames too of that I, like I think I recall that on the Evangelion web ring I went around on a lot back in the 90s I think that it, no I think uh, I think it was Simpsons MST3K and Ranma one half yeah. were the things that <laughs> pulled me onto the internet I think I just went to a lot of MST3K sites which is why I'm remembering a lot of space backgrounds yes, <laughs> yeah. a lot of space backgrounds so my site was at geocities.com slash television city slash 5301. <laughs> Unfortunately, no trace of it remains. I tried Aww. to find screenshots or something. It was funny, like preparing for this episode, I actually contacted some of my old Simpsons webmaster friends, almost like an old superhero trying to round up the old team. <laughs> being like, help, I, I need to find out if there's any screenshots of my website left. The, the two main guys I contacted was, was Adam Wolf, who ran Simpsons Channel for a long time. Simpsons Channel was like the main directory for Simpsons fan site. I can't believe it. There used to be so many Simpsons fan sites that there had to be a website for Simpsons fan sites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And almost daily, it would update with new Simpsons like fan sites. a directory. Yeah, yeah, it was like a full directory. And the other one was uh, Eric, who ran uh, Evergreen Terrace, 
which eventually became No Homers. Whoa. Wow. wow. Actually, uh, Eric's old site, Evergreen Terrace, that was like one of the, the more popular ones, I would say, because of the sheer amount of content it had. He said one of the old layouts of Evergreen Terrace, like when he did like a big revamp, he was inspired by my site, Little Plague, because oh. he really liked how I, I did my layout, which was not great. Like, I wish I had a <laughs> screenshot of it to like see, but I, I don't think it was very good, but he was still inspired by it anyway. And that was like one of my claims to fame, I guess. Wow. Well, I know from interviewing, for us interviewing uh, the Bill Oakley types, that they they were reading those websites back then, too. So, like, it must be at least fun or maybe a little scary to know that they were reading, that the creators of the show were reading your website at the time. Yeah, that was back when the internet was so young that to have... To know that the creators of whatever you're a fan of was reading your stuff and responding to you was like a really major deal. Now you can argue with your favorite creators on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you don't like them anymore. <laughs> be like, boy, I used to love the state, and now I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I still love the state. I won't say what uh, person on the staff I'm talking about. I know about. who it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, so then is that why you picked this episode uh, for the one you wanted to do with Talking Simpsons about? Yeah, to be completely honest, Summer of Four Foot Two isn't even one of my favorite episodes. But I have such fond memories of it because I watched it so many times, like over and over and over, just to like pick out little things I could um, base my uh, website on. Like for example, my guest book. Remember guest books? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My guest book was called Retrospecticus. Oh, oh nice. It's perfect. So little touches like that. I, I would smell the benzene. <laughs> uh, that is perfect theming. Like that people yeah. don't get on fan sites that like it's consistent theming of references to a specific episode. That is just perfect. So everyone is screaming, get to the fireworks factory right now. <laughs> but I will have to say, and I'll, I'll bring this up on, so we didn't record Homer Palooza yet, behind the scenes information, but this episode aired on the same day as Homer Palooza. I will say one of the greatest nights in entertainment history. You get two back-to-back new season seven Simpsons episodes. I remember where I was and what I did that day because of this day was so magical. That's how poisoned my brain is. <laughs> I did love that day. Now I look back on it and it, it feels like such a waste to be like yeah. two classic episodes and it just feels like Fox or somebody had the 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 programming people just said, well, it's the end of the season. We end it now with the sweep weeks is for this week. So let's just get these two out of the way. And they're both very summery. Like one is about a music festival that mm-hmm. happens in the summer. One is about summer vacation. So like they both fit together as a some way to end the season. I always love when Simpsons finales kind of focus on summer or the ended up having because of a, because yeah. of an earthquake there, the Bart of Darkness ended up being a start of the season one. But I, I, as a kid who built his whole life around the simpsons or his personal schedule if i saw a new episode when summer started and at least like mentally prepared me of like well there's no new simpsons for three months but the simpsons have had summer now just like me <laughs> i think annoyingly camp crusty was like a season premiere yes so it close was, to the, yeah. was that season four premiere season three uh, season, season three no, no season four. four yeah sorry i was just reminded of something we brought up homer palooza mm-hmm. and since we were talking about old simpsons fan sites there was one fan site i followed called uh i think it was called simpsons Jace's Simpsonville and the owner I remember the owner's uh, full name too I'm not going to say his last name but it was Jace something and he had a huge hate boner for Ken Keeler that he had an entire 
section devoted to how much he hates Ken Keeler. Uh. It was called like Ken Keeler sucks exclamation uh. mark or whatever. And he named Homer Palooza as the worst Simpsons episode ever. Wow. Mm. But that well, was before Principal and the Popper. I'm sure he hated yeah. Ken Keeler even more after that. I, I mean, I think we on the show we try to among the many things we do we try to tell people like just because someone's name is on an episode doesn't yeah. mean that they wrote every joke. In fact, they could have very little to do with the idea mm. and the main story and a lot of the things you like or hate about it. So I think I it's I now look back to that magical time pre-listening to the commentaries about what I thought making a Simpsons episode was before even when I would read interview like I read interviews about making the show or watch behind the scenes documentaries but until I actually heard like the lengthy commentaries explaining how a show is actually written and what the writer's room is I now feel like I had no clue what this was why was I so bad at Mike (laughs) Scully (laughs) which I'm still so glad we apologized to Mike Scully he was so nice to us yeah Yeah, well Ken Keeler is great too so I don't know what what Jace's problem was Jace if you're listening uh, how are you doing (laughs) Ken Keeler has a PhD leave the man alone he suffered enough Simpsons will be right back. done with this week's podcast because we had a really good one here with Nina and we thank her so much for coming on this week's episode and if you want to see some of her awesome art be sure to check out her book Sparks or just the cool stuff she puts up at her Twitter account Space Coyote or you can see her awesome art featured at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons she did the lovely art that's at the top of the page of me and Bob in Simpsons form and if you're there anyway patreon.com slash talking Simpsons why don't you sign Sign up and you can get access to every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early. You can be listening to season eight, first episode, The Treehouse of Horror, seven right now. Not only that, but you could also listen to our very recent season seven end of season extras, which are only on the Patreon. You can hear our season seven wrap up where we go through the biggest news that happened during that season, as well as all of the season seven deleted scenes that are on the DVD. You can hear it in audio form for five bucks a month at that level. If you give it our $10 premium level, you can watch the video version along with tons of other cool videos we did, such as us going through all of the Simpsons shorts for completeness's sake. And so, so, so much more if you check it all out along with Dina's wonderful art at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. You know what else is at patreon.com slash talking simpsons? We also have lots of cool interviews, like our most recent interview with Mike Reese, who was a writer from season one on of The Simpsons, an executive producer and showrunner for seasons three and four, a co-creator of The Critic, and he just put out a brand new book, Springfield Confidential, all about his time with The Simpsons. You'll learn all about that in our interview, and sure, you can read it, but wouldn't you want to hear an audiobook version read by Mike Reese? If you sign up at audibletrial.com slash talking simpsons you can sign up for a free trial and get that book yours to keep for free you can get a copy of mike reese's springfield confidential and listen to it right now for free if you sign up at audibletrial.com slash talking simpsons and it's a great way to help the show beyond just signing up for the patreon and i mean if you're gonna get mike reese's book anyway why not get it through audibletrial.com slash talking simpsons
Well, I guess speaking of writers, this episode is written by Dan Graney, who in our interview with him, he actually gave us quite a, a rundown on how Credation is really difficult from a writer level with that stuff. But a lot of this is a reflection upon the upper middle class writers' uh, oh, yeah. vacations in New England. Yeah, that's why they have to make up a reason that the Simpsons would have a beach house because they are not in the class bracket that most of the writers were who went to beach houses in Kennebunkport in in their childhoods, which uh, I was in a slightly upper middle lower no lower middle upper class well, whatever upper lower middle class. Upper lower middle class. Well, yeah. So <laughs> we got a beach house one year, and uh, but it was in Florida. It wasn't exactly like this, and it's it was actually not fun for me as a kid, which I'm not not complaining about my wonderful vacation <laughs> that tons of kids would have wanted to have. But I didn't particularly love it. Didn't love it. I I didn't have the transformation Lisa had. I had <laughs> the dorky stuff, and then no transformation. I did just bring a book to the beach and I read it. As uh, at the lower end of the economic scale, uh, mm. we never really went anywhere on vacation during the summer we got a pool and it was like you have a pool that's your vacation swim in the pool there we fixed it <laughs> that's pretty nice yeah the whole beach house thing i cannot relate to any of this in this episode because my my big summer vacations were spent in japan oh uh, my god okay. which is really cool <laughs> i will say cool. <laughs> probably better than going to a beach house honestly yeah. i'll yeah. trade my pool for that <laughs> uh, japan is so hot it's like, well, it, like yeah it is yeah. whenever i've been to tokyo the closest to summer i've been in tokyo was september and i was dying of heat it was like it reminded me of being in florida in, in a bad way of like mm. that now i'm so spoiled by the temperate weather of northern california like here uh, it makes it really hard to go back either to florida or have a real summer like in tokyo as well yeah i think i would spend like roughly a month there but a lot of it was just kind of bumming around doing nothing being like way too sweaty mm. at my grandparents place and just listening to cicadas <laughs> the anime cicadas kind of calming they never go <laughs> it away. is yeah, when you're a little kid, like, you don't have much as much freedom. So it's not like I could go out wherever and, like, hop on trains and go visit whatever I wanted to see. I had to do whatever the rest of my family was doing, which was not a whole lot. All yeah. that manga. You had access to all that manga. It was so cheap. I did. When I did get it, become a little bit older, like, say, around 14, 15 years old, I'd go to Japan and, and pick up a lot of things. Ah from bookstores folks like that in my childhood were the they were I was the most jealous of them when they come back from the summer they'd be like well I went to Japan and I have all of the magical things here here's <laughs> you will never get to read these Dragon Ball comics because they're too dirty god. they would never come out here I, I swear to god we'll, we'll start the episode soon but I just went to Japan <laughs> and I went to the Shonen Jump uh, exhibit in the Mori Museum in Japan and Shonen Jump is a weekly phone book sized uh, magazine that has a ton of serialized manga in it and going through that 90s exhibit made me so jealous of kids who grew up in Japan in the 90s like I could have had this phone book every week <laughs> I had to buy Spawn for two bucks a pop and Bob got me some awesome Hoshinengi coasters yeah. and playing cards Hoshinengi is I would say my favorite manga ever definitely very influential on my artwork that was one of the series I discovered one summer in Japan when I was just like at my grandparents place I had nothing to do but they had a bookstore nearby so I would walk to the bookstore every day constantly buying more and more volumes of Hoshinengi <laughs> no uh, when I watch this I'm actually this episode I'm kind of jealous of the freedom Lisa has to make friends outside of her family like that my parents would not have given me that freedom to 
to do things with strange new kids I just met on a vacation. So you would meet them, but you couldn't hang out with them. Uh, if I saw them, I wouldn't have even talked to them. I'd be, I would just be terrified. They're gonna make like, fun of me. Yeah, they will definitely make fun of me. Not gonna talk to them. They'll, they'll, I reject them before they reject me. I said to myself, you just had to get a skateboard and do some cool tricks. <laughs> I more wanted to just read the. I brought a collection of V for Vendetta with me, and I'm gonna read that whole thing. <laughs> I'm gonna really learn about Margaret Thatcher this summer. Yeah. <laughs> this is Margaret Thatcher. She must work there. So. <laughs> but okay, yes, this episode, I guess it begins with Milhouse is a fucking star in this episode. He steals the show. It's so fucking good. Right from the first minute. Hey, Bart, summer's almost here. Which kind of sprinkler do you like? The one that goes like this? <laughs> or the one that goes like this? Oh, and there's this one. <laughs> the last day of school, Millhouse. Try to show some dignity. Uh, that was also a, a lower class activity, j- jumping through sprinklers mm-hmm. before we had a pool. Did we all jump through sprinklers? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, didn't I didn't do that. I, I was uh, afraid of like the fanning kind. Uh, like if you're walking down the street and you saw that thing um, parked on someone's lawn, you're like, oh, I better get through before it gets to the sidewalk <laughs> part. I think a, it's a I, turret. Pretty sure we had the first one that Millhouse. Uh, I looked doing. up what sprinkler types those were. Okay. Actually, they have what names. They, yeah, so they have names. There, there is a whole world of like spr- uh, sprinkler culture out there that I was not aware <laughs> of until I tried wow. to find out what these names were. Wow. So he first uh, was doing an impression, which, by the way, you can even, like, without seeing the visual, you can still tell what kind of sprinkler he's doing. Mm. That's great Foley by Pamela Hayden, I yeah, swear. Yeah, yeah. so good. The first one was oscillating, the second one was impact, mm. and the third one is rotating. I feel like these are all things Hank Hill would know. <laughs> uh, totally offhand. I, my family had the oscillating kind. The only till I was about eight, then we moved to a place where my dad just said, I don't care about this yard and didn't do anything. He just covered it with wood chips. And they were like, there, that, just mulch. <laughs> That's the lawn. Yeah, oscillating was the one I would see the most often too. I think it's it's, it's the most gentle of the sprinklers. Mm-hmm. It's not intimidating. It looks pretty. Yeah, and it, it makes the least noise too, which and is it nice. makes fun little rainbows in the air too. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. I, I love that Bart is just so looking down like Jesus like, <laughs> yeah like, calm, calm down calm down nerd actually when I was looking up to see what these uh, sprinkler t- types were I found this YouTube channel by some kid called Jake the Lawn Kid <laughs> And he's like some 15-year-old kid who reviews stuff about lawns. Oh, boy. And he was talking about sprinklers, and uh, he's like, this is my favorite kind of sprinkler. And he'll just, like, do, like, these live streams, too, where he'd, like, walk around his neighborhood talking about lawns. I love deep diving in those very niche (laughs) review uh, YouTubes. Like, I saw one for toilets. I saw one for elevators. They get, they know everything, and they found a way to express themselves, so God bless them. They are the talking Simpsons of their their genre. Talking toilets. (laughs) Yes, so Millhouse would have a YouTube channel talking about this kind of thing. What kind of sprinkler do you like the best? That is the fate of Millhouse. That sounds like a comic pitch right there. I want to take Oh, dang. Ian, are you listening? You gotta (laughs) write this. Uh, Also, the... That Millhouse, he just wants to have fun, and that Bart is like, come on. And just the animation, not just Pamela Hayden, but also the animation. I, my favorite is when he's going back and forth with his hands up yeah. and down, like uh, on the, the third one. It's so beautiful. I have a feeling someone acted that out mm-hmm. for the animators. Uh, and and I also love, too, the uh, 
like the the great little visual trickery of you thinking everybody thinking it's not it's three p.m. not nine a.m. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a good cheat, and I also like this really made me think of that anticipation for the summer. Mm-hmm. We went over we went over this in Bart of Darkness, but my summers were being isolated and weird, and like getting into <laughs> Mad Magazine and playing like elaborate games with my toys and stuff like that. So I was just like, when does me time start? I need to reread all my comics, get, like get every Nintendo power I can find, like just like get me out of here. Mm-hmm. You didn't even have to have your leg broken for that. That's true. You just had to have your spirit broken. I didn't need a broken leg to be weird and isolated. <laughs> you wouldn't move your legs all that much. Exactly. As, as much as the, if you had broken them. They would now, just atrophy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was my countdown. Again, if I may complain about vacations my parents paid for. but Too many cruises. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but when we, would go on, when we would go on trips like that or a cruise, I, I would just bring my comic books with me. I'd be like, I just want to read these comic books or play my Game Boy the entire time. And dropping my Game Boy on the beach is becoming very uh like dangerous here and i'd be more safe if i stayed in the hotel room and get playing donkey kong 94 Wait, how could you even play a game boy on the beach it's way too bright uh if you angle it just right part of the fun of going to the beach with my game boy was to find the exact right angle and, and hunching over yeah. it to block the sun oh boy it's too bad right way. it's too bad boktai didn't come out uh during your y- yeah. youth yeah Look that up, kids. Boktai. <laughs> Boktai. The sun is in your hands. Uh, and, and now kids go to the beach to uh, catch Pokemon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was playing a bit of that. Or uh, my beach favorites uh, were definitely Pokemon Gold and Silver, Donkey Kong 94, aka, well, I guess it was just called Donkey Kong, the, the Game Boy game. Not Donkey Kong Country, listeners. And uh, the, the good one. And, the, and also Super Mario Land or Tetris at the very start of it. Oh, and I love the animation, too, of Millhouse running out, and then he's instantly... Uh, you see him in the window like there's no way he ran that fast but and martin is revealed to be a snitch to yeah. the cops i gotta say lou really sucks that he immediately reveals martin is the narc just <laughs> by looking at him it's not a good way to keep an informant yearbooks guys did you have them for me it was really weird uh when they matter is high school right high school is mm-hmm. when yearbooks matter we wouldn't get them until the beginning of the next year so it wasn't like oh, oh uh boy. here's your yearbooks get signatures the year's ending we would get them like the following fall wow okay. so bad schedule. what if you had moved out of the uh, town um, by then you have no memories or they just mailed it to you i don't, I don't really know what happened <laughs> su- yeah. no, I, is that due to poor planning or something i really don't know but it seemed <laughs> odd to me because i'm like yeah. i've seen yearbooks in media i thought mm. it was like that's what you do but i don't know what they were thinking that, that is so weird because I had I had the experience in the show, which was you order your yearbooks, you take your yearbook picture like in the second month of the year, and then at the like second to last month of the school year, then you get you get your uh, your yearbook, and then you hope people sign in. And I did have the least experience too of like, oh, no one signed mm. this, I'm sad. Aww. Or I think I would usually get at least other people in my advanced or gifted classes. I'd get at least signatures from my my fellow nerds in there, but pretty much none otherwise. So we're all in agreement that this whole yearbook thing they're doing in this episode is more of a high school thing that they weirdly brought to elementary school. It was middle school, school for me too, but yeah, this yeah. was way too young for I feel like books. a second grader would not be going through this sort of crisis with a yearbook. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of cruel to push on to uh, elementary <laughs> school students. I guess they did that so they could give something, uh, they could give Lisa something to be sad about. Yeah, it's effective. I didn't really think too hard about it. I I Mm kind of realized they were reflecting upon more of a high school thing, but they do that often with the characters where they will do age inappropriate things for a reason just to have something happen on the show. Yeah, like their aptitude tests for jobs. Like they wouldn't give you that in elementary school. Certainly not to an eight year old. (laughs) No, not to an eight year old. Whenever I saw stuff like that in Simpsons, I wonder, is this an American thing? Uh, (laughs) Is this cultural? It did stress me out thinking 
thinking, am I going to have to take this class? And is this a test for me? But uh, when this episode came out, it I was uh, 13. So I was experiencing my first yearbook that year in middle school. And I was like, oh, yeah, this sucks. Yearbooks suck. They just make mm-hmm. me feel unpopular. <laughs> Though I was never on the yearbook group like Lisa was. Yeah. BC, we just have elementary school, which is uh, grades one to seven. And then high school, which is eight to 12. Okay. Yeah. So it was definitely a high school thing. I, it always depressed me that the, the fact that I wouldn't be in like none of the pictures at the end. Uh, like all yeah. these like happy pictures. I'm like, I'm not in this at all. <laughs> but people will sign my stuff. Like I didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up, but I was still known as like the big Simpsons fan or the girl <laughs> who would draw really well. So people at least knew of me. Like I was never bullied or anything. I just kind of didn't exist in their eyes. They just knew me as the artsy person. So they would at least say things like, hey, Nina, uh, I really like your drawings, stuff like that, like because that's all they knew of me. And Have also, a good summer. <laughs> yeah, like I was about to ask, like, did you get that a lot? H e uh, hags, H a g s. What? 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 Have what? A good summer. <laughs> Have oh, a good oh, summer. I was hags. like, I, I, never I never heard it in that, that context. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know how widespread of a thing this is, but uh, at least where I grew up, putting H-A-G-S with a period after each letter was a huge thing. I'm not writing every word. Uh, (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I I wish I did that because I definitely did write Have a Good Summer or See You Next Year, but I just wrote it all out the way. I did not know there was that option. But then a lot of kids would twist it and say, hags are for... Uh, <laughs> uh, can, see, when you said hags, rhymes with hags, yes. when you said hags, that's the first thing I thought of. I'm like, what was going on in these yearbooks? Well, that's where thirteen-year-olds are going to immediately go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a semi-related. Uh, I didn't get anything signed in my yearbooks because they came in too late. When my grandma died, I was looking through her yearbooks and seeing what people wrote in her yearbooks, and there was uh, one student decided this will be my time to write a very racist limerick in your yearbook. Whoa! And it was hmm. eeny meeny miny mo, hmm. and they're going to catch something by the toe, and I'll give you a if you can figure out what that was. Wow. More on the next show. (laughs) Uh, But so here's Lisa with the yearbook staff. Uh, The reward for a year's worth of toil and sacrifice. Retrospecticus. Oh. Oh. The leather oleum covers were worth the extra money. (laughs) Oh, you can smell the benzene. Oh, when the kids see these layouts and fonts, you're going to be the most popular girl in school. Uh. You know something, BZ? I think you're right. <laughs> what became of BZ? I like BZ. Uh, yeah. I, I was like BZ. <laughs> I have to say, for Lisa to say she has no friends very soon in this episode, it's like, what about all your yearbook buddies? They, they should have eliminated this scene because she clearly has uh, ner- fellow yeah. nerds to hang out with. Yeah, Very not affected cool. nerds. Maybe they were all too busy trying to get uh, signatures from more popular kids. I guess so. I I just love that light. You can listening to the commentary for this too is to know that all the writers on the show were grade grubbing like teachers' pets as well. That they all had those same thoughts of just like when they see these layouts and thoughts. <laughs> oh boy! I, I mean, is this the first episode to seriously examine that Lisa has no friends uh, at all? Mm. Like in a, in a very like that the episode is about that. Like we never gave Lisa a friend. Janie is there if she needs someone to talk to occasionally. But most of the time, Lisa is alone on and, her own. In Lisa versus Malibu Station, they had to give her friends to like tell her she's stupid and not, and sexism isn't real. But other than that, I can't think of an episode that was really about her not having friends. Yeah, ev- even Lisa's rival was not like, "Oh, Lisa has no friends, so <laughs> this is very important for her." That was it was not framed in that way. Well, there is the funny scene in that one where she's like, "Oh, those are my friends." Yeah, wait, Brainiac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Allison should still be around. I think. Yeah. 
And she's also, actually in the background when the she's actually standing next to Lisa or next to one true. of the uh, crew when she's handing out the yearbooks. So it's all oh, yeah. all the more cruel that she's not getting a signature from her. Yeah. Also, Janie is kind of an odd case. Sometimes she's like a really good friend of Lisa. Sometimes she's not. I feel like her character changes depending yeah. on what the yeah. scene calls for. And Lisa thinks she's going to pack the Supreme Court with boys. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you see Janie now, I it reminds me of like if you see like Lewis in in a shot with Bart, you're like, oh wait, is this your friend? Like. At least Wendell, you would remember, like, oh, he's the queasy kid. Like, that's who Wendell is. Other than that, season one, friends of Bart are kind of nobody. Mm-hmm. They just made Bart have more bullies than friends. Oh, like Richard and Lewis? <laughs> yes, yeah. Then Lisa is handing out the yearbooks to see just how popular she is. In the beginning of the school year, each of you received a colored ticket. <laughs> I hope everyone still has theirs. <laughs> <laughs> who died made you, boss? Mr. Estes, the publications advisor. I edited the whole thing. If you hadn't done it, some other loser would have. So quit milking it. (laughs) So cruel. I I do appreciate uh, someone is very similar to Lisa. I do appreciate Lisa's need to establish order on things (laughs) unnecessarily, (laughs) like the colored ticket system. Yeah, I feel like it happened to me several times in elementary school where the the teachers thought we'd actually keep a child would remember something for more than like two months <laughs> or keep hold on to something yeah i was always like super straight laced so i would have kept that ticket <laughs> i had so much permission slip anxiety like it was intense <laughs> was it because you saw bart didn't get to go to a chocolate factory over I, his permission I, yeah slip? i did see the poor kids that had to stay behind I'm like oh that's not gonna be me <laughs> also to go back a little bit the, the girls who are on the yearbook team i like to think that they then eventually grow up to become webcomic artists who will then self-publish their own books because <laughs> I'm I'm part of that circle as well like uh, indie comic artists and you know self-publishing is a big thing now especially kickstarting your own book and you know what when people do see those good layouts and fonts <laughs> they do make them popular <laughs> do you use leather oleum covers though can you can you kickstart Ooh, that, one of those that's a stretch goal yeah <laughs> I do. I mean, I do love that benzene smell. Or the the just the new book smell is a beautiful smell. I am. I did eventually become a bit of like a font and layout nerd, and just like <laughs> admiring how a book is packaged. I'm like, ooh, spot gloss. Actually, when, it, when we did Sparks, I was like, I want spot gloss on the cover. That reminds me, like a lot of the. If you go back to maybe the early 2000s, uh, back when there was like the second big wave of, of Simpsons merchandise, they didn't bother getting the graining font or figuring that out. So a lot of that is Comic Sans. When I go back to that ooh. merch, I'm like, ooh. I've got a Monopoly game and it's all in Comic Sans now. Oh no, that's yeah. so painful. They eventually got the graining font or made it or something, but until then it was just like, this looks like it. It's free. Oh God, no. Oh, you know, another thing that scared me though, uh, or was a warning for me as a kid, was Lisa cutting open the box and then pulling out the cut up yeah. book from it. Like, gotta oh, be careful yeah. when I open boxes from now on. It's just in the way Lisa goes, <laughs> That should be in the Donnie Don't book. <laughs> Whoever packed those books should have put something at the very top. I agree. To them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this, the Springfield Printing Factory not not all that good with shipping. And, and Nelson saying is something I remind myself of too. Of just like when I worked too hard on a job that didn't matter at, at previous office jobs. I mean, I should have reminded myself of that line. Just like if you didn't do it, some other loser would have quit. Quit milking it. Somebody else would have done this. Now I think we're doing. I'm actually doing something that some other loser wouldn't do. Only <laughs> this loser can do. this Very show. skilled at being this sort of loser. Yeah. <laughs> 
also like that for the rest of his life, Ralph will think President Lincoln was okay. Miss <laughs> Hoover was like, I can't, I, I, my obligations are done as of now. I will not even tell you what happened. It's over. That was a, a lyric in that Bloodhound Gang song about Ralph Wiggum. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the song that was in, entirely composed of Ralph Wiggum quotes. Oh, yeah. I have not listened to that in so long. Me too. I, I do wonder who this Mr. Estes was. Like, He's I dead. To imagine who he was. The, He's dead now. The teacher, Mr. Estes, who died and made her in charge. And there's also, when Lisa's going around trying to get signatures, there's a really cool, underrated sight gag I didn't notice until this time, which was Sherry and Terry signing each oh, other's I books right there. Oh, yeah. like, I didn't even notice. You live together. Just uh, <laughs> sign it at home. And for some reason, Bart is inexplicably popular in this episode, yeah. just to counter Lisa's. Because at times, he is like a Millhouse caliber nerd or just slightly above on the social ladder than Millhouse, but mm-hmm. sometimes he is like a local celebrity, which he should be at yes. this point, honestly. One, well, did, did Bart signings remind you of uh, comic book signings? Neil? Oh God, yeah. Like <laughs> I've, I've been there and I wish I could be as cool and composed as him, but it's just nerve wracking every time. And getting the person's name spelled right when you're signing it is oh. always like, oh, I hope I did this right. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people have odd spellings for names. I never thought of that. The, the yeah, pressure the, of the, that. The oh. best thing to do is to like get them to write down their own name. Then oh you boy. can't screw it up. Or if you do screw up, it's their fault. I must be a comic artist dream for an autograph. <laughs> oh, yeah. To Bob. But you know what? If you walked up to me and said, I want this made up to Bob, I would still ask you to spell it just in case, because you never know. B-A-A-B-B. Ab? Yeah, I wonder if they base this, the Bart signing stuff on graining signing. Or other artists or writers on the show. By 96, they must have been doing public appearances at that point and doing signings. At least at San Diego, you would think, right? Probably by then, yeah. Yeah. It it is hard to think of things to write in there, too. Usually I just default to things like, thanks, or thanks for the support, or hi, Nate, insert name here because the more you write the more you feel like you have to write a lot every time and if you're doing a book sign you got to sign a lot of books yeah. you want to keep it as short as possible and you want to help everybody in line like everybody yeah, exactly. in line wanted it like yeah I, I also love that as much as skinner disliked bart he also wants <laughs> to sign his yearbook did you guys ever get your teachers to sign your books uh, maybe did again no no one signed my books ever but i, I don't oh. know if i would have there are a few nice teachers i like but i feel like i would be uh i would be like um a pariah if someone saw me getting a teacher signing a book <laughs> oh, i really enjoyed it but like i said i was a weird kid who who was more interested in their teachers and their classmates i, I liked going to the teachers that i really appreciate and going i want you to sign this i maybe did with a couple of my favorites but i more was just about uh, a couple of years i obsessed of like oh this person who i secretly have a crush on maybe they'd sign this they'd sign this for me and then they'd show that they actually were thinking about me and then they didn't sign it and mm. I felt very Aww. sad but I don't want to depress people <laughs> with this one this episode made me teary eyed like multiple times it did though, <laughs> with familiar sadness <laughs> of unpopularity though I've never had jury duty unlike Flanders here Homer I'm in a rhubarb of a pickle of a jam here I was all set to go off on vacation when I get called up for jury duty Oh, it's a corker of a case. Seems a man drove up onto a traffic <laughs> island and hit a decorative rowboat full of geraniums. Mm. Now, they're trying it as a maritime <laughs> offense. So, anywho, how'd you like to use my beach house? Free of charge. I only get two weeks of vacation a year, and you want me to spend it in your lousy beach house? Uh, well, if it'll seal the deal, I'll take a look at your septic tank. See if I can get her humming again. Deal! See, Flanders, you give a little, you get a little. Mm-hmm. Hello, Mr. Brown Ground. What you got for me? 
and you're sure the Flanderses won't be there. <laughs> well, it sounds great. Bart, you can invite Milhouse. Lisa, you can bring a friend, too. <laughs> hey, great, a friend. <laughs> a companion. March has carried her distaste of the Flanders from Homer Loves Flanders yeah. into this episode. <laughs> I love that gag that you could tell was post, like it's just words over the establishing shot of the house, but it's just so funny. And I also like that Ned has, not, has never been more happy to take a look at the septic tank. He's not even like <laughs> upset when he's doing it. It's like, well, let's see what you got. I kind of want to know what... Uh, Jake the Lawn Kid has to say about a poop-soaked lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy I've never had to deal with a septic tank. That's, my, that's a lawn no-no. <laughs> I've, I've never lived with a septic tank before, so it was just nice. I thought they were bigger in Florida where yeah, you can't are. dig as much. Yeah, they, they are, but we're my... The one home I lived in in Florida and did not have one, so didn't have to worry about it. I would definitely go to friends' houses when I'd see their septic tank. I would think about Mr. Brown Ground. <laughs> I would see it. Like. Also, Bob, you were doing the little hand motion that Homer does. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I love how bored he is. Yeah. He's just like, come on, come on. I wonder if he's, if that's them, like the, they're thinking the audience is going like, Yes, Flanders, <laughs> you're going to move the plot forward. You're going to offer him something. Could you just do it already? And his like, story is very boring. The, the, court, the case is not interesting at all. I always do that hand motion now when I'm watching something and they're rambling. Like, come on, come on. Yeah. And that, yeah, that he thinks that Flanders even calls it a very interesting case, which when somebody tells you they have an interesting case for jury duty, you think like, oh, a murder or a bank robbery or something like that. And instead it is a, a car on a median. That should not even be a, a case with a jury. No. Honestly, <laughs> at a small claims court, at at best, like that's that's something night court would deal with. I but they needed an excuse in the Simpsons economy for them to go to a beach house because unlike Bill Oakley or Josh Weinstein or Dan Graney, they couldn't afford their families can't afford a beach house. Yeah, they're still thinking at this point like the semi realistic uh, economics of the Simpsons family. Yeah, I also like that Marge invited along Millhouse. That she's like, you know what? Let's invite a friend along. My my parents did not like my friends in some cases is for good reason and I had bad friends but they they would not have invited them on a vacation for me which it's like that's a, that is another mouth to feed you're adding cost <laughs> onto your vacation I've heard from friends that I uh, have that aren't white people that is a white family uh, stereotype like they send your friend home when they're having dinner when you're having dinner it's like that happened to me a lot yeah. like I was, I was rarely invited to dinners at friends houses I'm not too familiar with beach houses but what happens in the rest of the year when it's not being used it just sits there I think so empty? yeah I mean it's like it's I guess it was Airbnb beforehand and it's just it's owned by somebody who owns a lot of properties and so they just rent it out as as needed and it's on the beach and if in a lot of cases the owner uses it when it's not being rented just as like eh, if I want a vacation here I guess I will I think other times it's just empty and those are the same thing as like timeshares right where you oh, go yeah, I don't know if yeah. they still do this it was a huge scam in the night more in the 90s where it's like you go to the seminar and just sit through it you get a free <laughs> you get the free timeshare access mm. or whatever if you just be pressured for three days. So I think there's some people who just have the Jack Nicholson and the Shining job of being a caretaker during uh -huh. those off months and just making sure it's not full of dust or rats <laughs> or whatever. Now I'm imagining someone stuck in a beach house all summer uh, going crazy like Jack Nicholson, but they're all by themselves. There's no one to murder. And there's only three rooms. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we get to see how Lisa, Lisa taking account of her friend status. Well, did you call one of your friends? Friends? <laughs> These are my only friends. Grown-up nerds like Gore Vidal. And even he's kissed more boys than I ever will. Girls, Lisa. Boys kiss girls. <laughs> Mom, why don't I have any friends? We have each other. 
When I was a lonely little girl, I always dreamed that someday my daughter would be my best friend. We are best friends, Mom, but I'm a kid. I need friends my own age, too. Honey, you'll make plenty of friends. All you have to do is be yourself. Be myself? I've been myself for eight years and it hasn't worked. Look at all these dorky clothes. A bathing cap. <laughs> Nose plugs. A microscope at the beach? Ugh! What was I thinking? I, re- I really enjoy how uh, the sweet moment between Marge and Lisa, where Lisa kind of... Sh- politely shoots down Marge's yeah. very sweet idea, but she like reaches over and puts her hand on her on her leg and just like, no, mom, come on. Yeah, I, 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 I appreciate that, but I need friends my own age. I'm glad that Marge accepts it because yeah. some parents don't. They, I feel so bad for them and for Lisa that Marge, and I feel bad for Marge that Marge has no friends of her own. So she's like, well, my kid can be my friend. I'm like maybe your kid doesn't want to be your friend. Lots of, lots of sad, lonely Marge in this season. Oh, yeah, they. <laughs> at least it's better than just a Marge who just says, oh, Homer. Yeah. Like it's, but it's a more depressing march. Yeah, that must be heartbreaking for parents who who's like, oh, I can have a kid, and then my kid could be my friend, and they, they don't want to. Mm, I'm sure yeah. it happens all the time. I, I really enjoy Marge's girls, Lisa. Boys kiss <laughs> yeah, girls. Yeah. I don't feel like it's homophobic. I feel like Marge is like, no, no, you're wrong. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. Like, yeah, it's, it's like Marge is not mm-hmm. aware of homosexuality in any way. Well, let alone Gorvidal. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, Gor- that, that Lisa is aware that Gorvidal is a man who would kiss men. And meanwhile, Marge, Marge has a kind of like, just talking to a child like no Lisa boys kiss girls by the way he's dead and we didn't kill him yeah, so I don't know who Gore Vidal is well allow <laughs> me I didn't read any of his books and I have a master's in uh, English well I'll, I'll first let you know folks that Tome is not a book Gore Vidal wrote that is a made up book for this joke it's a joke about the size of his books they are oh, okay. gigantic books he he was a writer slash professional intellectual of the the beat generation and he was a goddamn queer as uh, William F. Buckley called him he personally eschewed labels but he was mainly with men, I think, in his in his lifetime. And he in the in like the fifties and sixties, very few public intellectuals wrote books about homosexuality or that involved gay characters in them. One of his most famous books was *My Breckenridge*, which was turned mm. into a very bad film. But uh, yeah. but okay. what he's probably most famous for now uh, was setting the tone for political arguments on television as he did with William F. Buckley on TV. There's actually a great documentary about Gore Vidal versus William F. Buckley, like TV debates that basically set the tone for all like CNN debates and Crossfire and basically everything you see on cable news. So you can thank these guys for it. But uh, William F. Buckley was a crypto fascist who was a really bad, uh, but he was the Republican smart guy. He was the intellectual for conservatives. And I mean, while Gore Vidal was the left side of that. And so they would ha- be on TV arguing with each other. And uh, here's a couple of my favorite clips of Ooh, them. juicy. How about Mr. Vidal's answer to that now? Well, as usual, Mr. Buckley, uh, with his enormous and thrilling charm, uh, manages to get away from the issue toward the comedy. He's always to the right, I think, and almost always in the wrong. And you certainly must, uh, Bill, maintain your reputation as being the Marie Antoinette to the right wing and continually imposing your own rather bloodthirsty neuroses on on a political campaign. Uh, wow, why does every intellectual from this era sound like George Plimpton? I know, right? Well, you see, if you look uh, at it from my perspective. <laughs> uh, but the most famous one of those times was uh, when William F. Buckley and him got in a very heated conversation in the 1968 presidential convention here. Mm. Here is the clip. Well, 
Shut up a minute. No, I won't. And some people will follow naturally, and the answer is that they were, they were well treated by people who ostracized them, and I'm for ostracizing people who egg on other people to shoot American Marines and American soldiers. As I know you don't as care. As far as I'm concerned, any sense the only sort of pro or crypto Nazi I can think of is yourself. Failing that, Let's, I would only let's say that we names. can't have now listen, you the right of the assembly of crypto-Nazis. Let's, let's stop or calling I'll names you and let's get... Face and let's you'll stay plastered. Gentlemen, let's... Oh, Bill. <laughs> That's like the Twitter discourse now. <laughs> to say, yeah. yeah. I wish he was still alive on Twitter. Uh, but that moment there was when Gore Vidal know he beat him on that day because he's like, well, I made you say... You, yeah. I made you call me a queer and say you're going to punch me. So I won. <laughs> it's funny to hear that I'm going to sock you one in the face. You'll stay plastered. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, and also, the uh, last thing about Gore Vidal is he was a Hollywood script writer as well. And most famously, he was writing he was writing the script for Ben-Hur and found it to be very boring. And then he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to write it that Ben-Hur and his old chum that they were in a relationship before and that that is the history with them. And he told one of the actors, but not Charlton Heston. And so he says, if you watch it, you can see one actor clearly going for it and mm. is like, I am in love with you, Ben-Hur. And meanwhile, Charlton Heston is like, yes. My old friend. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote his own Ben Hur fan fiction. He did, basically. and, and wow. they made it into a film. <laughs> so that's that's who Gore Vidal is. Also, then we cut to Lisa like leaving all of her stuff at home, and I like that Marge is so unsafely holding Maggie in the front seat while Millhouse <laughs> is the one in the baby seat. Like when I was a kid, babies we didn't know the rules. Like you're like, yeah, just put the baby in the front seat, or just have it on your lap. It's a baby. Let it roll around <laughs> in the trunk. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Put some blankets in there. I mean, I loved sitting in the, just when my family had a Jeep, I was like, I want to lay in the back. I can sit wherever I want. It's like, yeah, just laying across a backseat as a kid on car trips, uh, oh. completely unsafe. You're just a projectile <laughs> in any car accident, but it was very comfortable. That sounds super fun. Yeah. Uh, unsafety are. is fun. I'm too long now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here they are going off. I could still fit. Somebody's traveling light. Yeah, maybe you're getting stronger. Well, I have been eating more. <laughs> Bye-bye to our house, Maggie. Bye-bye, tree. Bye-bye, job. Bye-bye, toothbrush. Bye-bye, Lisa Simpson. It's a great act break. And they're off to America's Scrod Basket. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, whenever I get a compliment, one of my favorite things to think about replying to is like, well, I have been eating more. Like Homer's pride of just like, I have been eating more. <laughs> He's, bulking. Yeah. He's bulking. I like up. how condescending Lisa is because she's just not into this trip. Lisa is quite condescending the entire time, yeah. which again, I could really identify with as a uh, sarcastic, miserable ch- a child on uh, trips as well. Just like, nah. Actually, oh, thanks for this trip, mom. Yeah, actually, like being sarcastic and cynical is how I eventually started getting friends. I got that <laughs> sense of humor from The Simpsons. And I realized, hey, if I talk in this matter, uh, it makes people laugh and kids like me more. Yeah. It's worth it for yeah. Lisa. Definitely works for her. <laughs> it works out. It did it, it worked out for me, too. So, that, yes, they are on their way. When the hell are we going to get to? Where the hell are we going? <sighs> it's called Little Plog Set Port. It's known as America's Scrod Basket. I thought Springfield was America's scrod basket. No, Springfield is America's crud bucket. At least according to Newsweek. 
God bless Julie for saying it the one time it's said in this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, they should have said it a few more times. Yeah, it's a mouthful. I, I couldn't even write it down because it would be pointless. I couldn't say <laughs> it after writing it. No, I, I can still spell it perfectly because of my website. Uh, what was it again? Little Plagmatus Quormset Port. <laughs> oh my God. But it's the perfect like mangling of a million of those little seaside towns where you would get a vacation house. Yeah. And uh, a scrod is a type of fish, but scrod basket sounds disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> America's scrod basket. Drippy, yeah. Gross. <laughs> Yeah, the scrod is just like a general term for white fish, mm. which like ah, I could go for a scrod basket right about now. Mm-mm. When I was listening to the commentary, I think it was Dan who said Little Plagmatus Cormset Port was based on place names in Massachusetts. So I actually looked up place names in Massachusetts to see like what kind of names they had. Ooh. The best one I could find, though, was a place called Satan's Kingdom, <laughs> an unincorporated community. I want to know what goes on in there. Boy, uh, some sort of a sex cult, I have to imagine. <laughs> Maybe There better be a sex cult in Satan's Kingdom. <laughs> I want to see the Flanders vacation there. <laughs> better at least be a sex cauldron, if not a sex cult. It's just a name. It's actually a peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> I also love Bart saying hell twice in one sentence and Marge going like, <laughs> and then replying to him. It's it's just they've given up on really telling Bart to watch his language. It's like eh, whatever. Like, and they arrive in the home full of post-it notes, which is great. Yeah, I love those post-it notes. Uh, it's uh, so, which makes me feel like uh, did did Ned go out there just to put post-it notes everywhere? He might have flown in for one day to put up those post-it notes and then come back dutifully for jury. Duty. That's a very selfless Ned thing to do. Yeah, I would. I, I don't think this is a flaw in the plot. I think Ned actually flew out there to uh, to put all those in there. When Marge finds the ice cube tray and it mm. says fill me and she says well duh with what ned and she lifts in and it says with water uh, the way she says well uh, well duh i incorporated that into my daily vocabulary mm. even though it's just you know you can say that normally and ha- not have it be a reference but it's, it's a tone in which you say it, it makes it a simpsons reference kind of like mr burns is Yes. It is. I, yeah. I feel like it was also, she had that same reading in, uh, was it Flaming Moe's when Homer did, I'm the magical man from Happy Land. Mm-hmm. And oh, in, yeah. in case you couldn't tell, I was being sarcastic. Well, duh. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like a catchphrase almost. Yeah. Or they were trying to make it a thing, but it didn't catch on. They should have done it more. I, I Marge's like, catchphrase is now, mm. <laughs> I like that Marge had gone from thinking it was thoughtful, like when Homer says, he actually wrote diddly. That's thoughtful <laughs> that by... 100 post-it notes later she's like with what now she's clearly irritated by the flanders <laughs> by the way if you want to know how to make ice cubes in an ice tray go to WikiHow. Mm. nine steps with pictures seriously that's crazy and then there's a wiki how on how to remove those ice cubes from the ice tray uh-huh. that's wow. that's much trickier <laughs> uh but yeah they as they're unpacking homage is a lot happier isn't this fun honey it must be exciting to make a different set of beds i know you're joking but it is! <laughs> Say, why don't you put on your swimsuit and head for the beach? Well, it's kind of funny. With all the craziness and confusion and Michigas of packing, <laughs> I forgot to pack! Lisa, that's not at all like you. Exactly. Mm. I forgot my swimsuit, too. Mm-hmm. But I improvise. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> it's perfect timing. The cops are immediately there. I uh, love the little, like, you can see, like, the lights reflecting off of the things yeah. in, the, uh, in the hallway. It's, it's great. 
it's ten times funnier seeing the lights in the hallway than seeing cops grab Homer. I think it's you just get to imagine it for yourself. Homer's basically being the paper bag princess in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those scratchy ass uh, doormats, like yeah. one of those really like I don't know what it's made of, but I can I can feel it under my feet. I hope he's wearing underwear in between that too. <laughs> Me too. Of just instead of just that, that just sounds very uncomfortable. I I also love the note of please don't steal from me and bark on <laughs> nice try why would you keep money in your summer house yeah maybe doesn't just, make any sense especially if you're a kid and you just want you're gonna want three dollars at some point before you go back to your summer house also i guess it was ned who put that note on there yeah though mm. bart well bart assumes it's todd but it must have been ned mm-hmm. also with, with marge making those beds they're two twin beds so does do ned and maude sleep in separate beds on this vacation because the, they don't could have been rod and todd's uh, room uh, okay. on this little thing i don't think we ever see homer where homer and marge are sleeping also discontinuity problem oh, here no. <laughs> is that just a, a little flub i noticed was when marge is making the bed it is a photo of ned and a photo of Maud over the beds but when the camera changes when Marge says I know you're joking the Maud painting becomes a Rod and Todd painting oh man it could be one of those lenticular paintings where <laughs> that's on the angle you're seeing it from I'm sure those are real yeah. maybe they had different layout artists for that scene <laughs> I, I just love catching little little mistakes like that and I, I also love how Marge just admits like I know you're being condescending <laughs> But it is. She's like super positive throughout this episode. Yeah. She's, she's really enjoying her time here, despite yeah. all the cleaning up she has to do <laughs> for Homer. Because that's what she likes to do is clean up. Yeah. Things. It's Marge's time to shine. <laughs> yeah. When she can't clean up, she gets depressed. And then we head over to TJ Zaymart. So where do you want to show off your new hip togs? The Sherbert shop? The Candle District? Big Sue's Tap Water Taffy? Um, if it's okay with you, Mom, I'd rather go find some kids. Oh. Okay. You'll be my friend. I'm <laughs> never, never gonna let you get away. Aw. The on the commentary they said the joke uh, for they loved the they loved the store name TJ's TJ's Zaymart because I think the joke they were going for was these stores merge to the point where you don't know what is in there. <laughs> so it's sort of like a mix of TJ Maxx and Kmart and another store that begins with a Z. I forget what they said it was, but I do enjoy TJ's Zaymart. It reminds me of going to a beach Walmart or something as a kid for supplies on trips like this. And when you go to, it smells different as a Walmart because it's like a Walmart on the beach. Which, they put uh, their soda in this aisle. <laughs> <laughs> it's so different. This is, oh, they call their popsicles here a different thing. That's honestly how I feel when Whenever you come to down to the states, though, everything's mm-hmm. just slightly different. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have asked you to bring down some Smarties. Like, oh, I, you're a Smarties fan? Uh, yeah, they're. I actually like them more than uh, M and M's because I'm that worldly. Oh, I wish you had told me. I could have brought you some. Uh, Smarties in Canada are opium based. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening with these? Oh uh, no, they're they're like M and M's. Okay, just like candy coated chocolates, and because... they are good, but they are considered kind of garbage candies in Canada. Oh, wow. But I know it's it's like a novelty to you, uh, so it's, I mean, it's fine. Our Smarties are garbage candy. They're like a step above. <laughs> they're a step above Necco wafers in terms of like this is this chalk has I, some flavor. I like that stuff though. It's mm. called uh, Rockets up mm, in Canada. Okay, or some ketchup, ketchup flavored potato chips. I think that's another Canada only thing I enjoy. I brought you so many gifts already. No, I know. No, no, I, I could have brought some. I just wanted to talk about Canadian foods. So yeah, yeah. Like whenever I come down to the states, I like to bring some uh, chocolates. Like mm. I just came back from Tucson. Actually, that's why I'm here. Like I just went to Tucson to visit Fangamer who I work for and all the flights back the layovers really suck so I decided to stay in uh, San Francisco for a few days before heading back to Vancouver anyway I like to bring chocolates to them 
because they're a big fan of chocolates. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever I bring them over, like people always, uh, I feel like Americans love coffee crisp so much. That's hmm. a big favorite. Mm. I don't know what those are. Coffee oh, crisps? Yeah. yeah, coffee crisp. They're known for their coffee flavor and their ads that play in the 90s over and over with two Weird. old ladies having coffee or <laughs> about to have coffee. And one old lady says, how do you like your coffee? And the other lady says, I like my coffee crisp. <laughs> and then they have a good chuckle over it. Yeah, I think it's okay. That sounds like a very friendly ad. So, so, how do you like your coffee crisp? You like your coffee crisp? I like my coffee crisp. Oh, I'm supposed to laugh now. You don't know from jokes. Well, <laughs> when Nina got here, she emptied out a Ziploc bag full of poutine onto the floor, which I guess that's how you're supposed to eat it in, in Canada? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no utensils, just stick your face in it. Yeah, uh, gotta tie your hands behind your back. Uh, and I like any kind of maple candy. That's one of my favorites. I, These are um, all things I could have brought you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's Instead, fine. she got us nice shirts. Yes, so those are <laughs> uh, Though, also, speaking of sweets, I, I love the idea of tap water taffy. Yeah. Like it's, that even, you're on the beach the thing you're using is salt water that's the that's the pull and they're like no this is the tap water taffy place i don't know if i ever even had taffy to be honest you know there's you can get some in the cité uh actually if you're going to the wharf fisherman's wharf i'm sure you'll find some salt water taffy i just think of it as really stretchy and is it soft or does it harden once it's pretty pretty soft soft. salt water taffy is different than taffy you'd buy pre-packaged like at a candy store yeah it's not like Laffy Taffy like Daffy Duck used to advertise. It's it's a little softer than that. Oh no, now I'm reminded of that terrible song Laffy Taffy. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> and, an, it's uh, an allegory. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> love that how not unlike in Marge Be Not Proud, Marge just doesn't she has not noticed her children are growing up and that she is trying to buy Lisa like a four year old's ba- uh, bathing suit instead of like I guess as an eight year old, she's still she is a child. If I saw an eight year old and she said no, I'm growing up. I don't want to wear those baby clothes. I was like, you're an eight. You're, eight. you're a yeah. child. Like, but in the reality of the show, she's more like 23. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In terms of her preferences and what she likes to do. When Lisa's back at home and she's like, look at all these dorky clothes. I find that kind of weird though, because is a red strapless dress considered dorky? That's true. It's not really anything. It's, it's anachronistic. No. Yeah. But that's it, basically it. It would be weird to see an eight-year-old walk around with a red strapless dress. I'd have to say. I'd be like, that's odd. Yeah. And pearls too. Pearls on a <laughs> child. <Little> girl. <laughs> Uh, I guess a, that can count as dorky. Yeah, I they did a great job designing like mid nineties cool outfit for her. Or, like, and same with all of her friends that she makes. They mm-hmm. all look like they're straight out of a Devin Sawa movie of the mid nineties. And the, now all that stuff is back in fashion. It is like, tie dye is back in fashion. I've been seeing it a lot around here actually. I had one of those boys' <laughs> haircuts for sure. Like the classic, <laughs> the classic nineties yeah. bowl cut. I don't now, but I did then. Yeah, because you got your haircut a month ago. <laughs> Lisa is trying to find new kids, and oh yeah, first before that though i love that the simpsons is really firing on all cylinders when they can find humor in low tide they're like well let's write some jokes about low tide what can we do with that homer's doing a lot of damage to the environment in this episode yeah i just love how he peels out i was like it's low tide boys that's what you do yeah and also bart's uh, taunt of last one in is a yearbook editor is such a great little line i saw some low tide yesterday i went to lands End. oh yeah which is like the western oh lands is great yeah yeah i I didn't know it even existed but i was taken there by my friend 
friend and I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And I saw the the bathhouse ruins, yeah. which I also did not know was a thing. It was a giant like bathhouse for rich people, I think, oh, that, yeah. which burned down wow, and now man. the ruins are left and it looks like ancient burial ruins or something. It's really cool. And you're seeing all this stuff I've never seen. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I almost never even go to Fisher. I've, I've gone to Fisherman Wharf only when like people are in town that I'm, I'm taking them you around. You gotta go to that Applebee's. It's great. <laughs> so, so we went out to the, the beach there and there's like lots of low tide and um, I saw sand crabs for the first time. Nice. Lisa is trying to find kids somewhere. Will she find them at the library? I wonder where all the kids are. Hey, a library! No, I can't. That's the old nerdy Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, read about my adventures in the South Seas and make me live again. <laughs> We've got periodicals on microfiche. Won't you join our tea party? It would be ever so... Don't do it, Lisa! It's a trick! Ah. <laughs> Lisa runs away. I think her loneliness is causing some sort of psychosis. <laughs> yes. Alice is dead. Like, she yeah. got shot in the head after that fell through. What I like about this New Yorker guy appearance is, I don't think on the Critic episode, they put the butterfly flying around him. Bravo, Mrs. S. You're right. But this one, not. that's part of the original art, which I like. You can hear it flapping. They added oh, Foley. They, and that is, of course, the New Yorker dandy, Eustace Tilly. Mm, that's a real name. Officially his name. Like, I didn't know what a microfiche was, so I thought he was talking about very tiny fish. <laughs> For the longest time, I didn't know what microfiche was either. When I knew that that was how you could look at periodical through a scanner but I didn't know what those were called and I'm sure a fan or a listener will let us know but like how is that different than microfilm I, mm. it's just a funnier word to use and it does sound funny yeah microfiche <laughs> yeah I thought it was just a fancy way of saying fish <laughs> I also like Pippi Longstocking's kind of desperate desperation to uh, make me live again yeah. she needs a reboot she's just yeah I haven't seen her in a while I just wanted to bring up that uh, Ian Boothby who I've done Sparks with and who I won an Eisner with he's been doing a lot of uh, New Yorker cartoons lately oh really yeah, he's been writing them, um, and his wife, Pia Guerra, who's most known as being the co-creator of Why the Last Hell Man, yeah. and doing a lot of the political cartoons for the Nib lately, she's been drawing them, and they've been doing a lot of them recently. Wow, I did not know that she, he was married to the co-creator of Why the Last Man. That's amazing. They're, they're Sorry, both very that, fine people, so I wanted yeah. to uh, bring them up. I remember, too, recently, speaking to Ian, there was a uh, a panel from a Futurama Simpsons crossover that went viral of Skinner saying that Edna was there because she ate too many steamed hams and they needed right. to hire Fry to do it. And you were the one, I think, who said like, hey, Ian, didn't you do this? Like, yeah, I tagged him going, that's, yeah, you wrote this, that's right? That's how Edna died yep. canonically, right? Steamed ham overdose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still haven't read that. Like, I really want to. I'm sorry, mm. Ian, but I have not read it. Yeah, he wrote it and uh, James Lloyd, who's also from Vancouver and one of our friends, he drew the whole thing. That that happened years before it happened in the TV show. Mm. Like, they, they did the Futurama thing, which I think I remember that was the, in an interview about that crossover I think was the first time I saw Matt Groening say his rule of like no in the Futurama world the Simpsons are fictional characters so they have to go into the comic book world that's how the crossover happens I believe in continuity there Mm -hmm. I think he allowed it because of that Mm -hmm. and then I guess he was okay with it for the show eventually since it worked out for the comics it took him 15 more years but but they were eventually (laughs) okay with it so Lisa's finally finding some new friends like you know whatever like, you know, whatever. Hey, what's happening? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Not your fault. It's a bird thing. If you don't control the birds, you will someday, but not now. Hi. What's up? Who's that? Well, I don't know. Some kid. Hey, I like your hat. A compliment. 
Scanning for sarcasm. <laughs> it's clean. Go. Thanks. Um, you guys skate? Try to. The cops always confiscate our boards. <laughs> yeah, and you just know they're using them like five minutes later down at the station. Hmm. <laughs> I think I know a place you can skate that's virtually deserted. Like you know, whatever. Oh. All right. Oh. Presumably, Lisa will learn how to control the birds at bird camp this yeah. summer. <laughs> she she has a real obsession with birds this season. I'm learning about owls. <laughs> I also like her using a Jiffy Pop thing as a mirror. That was a cute. Little, oh yeah, like, that was Jiffy Pop. Yeah, show. and that was Christina Ricci there. Which I'm glad they got a like real youngster of the day in there. The other characters are just voiced by the stock voice actors, but Christina Ricci is great casting on their part of like she's she was the cool weird girl in movies. She was Wednesday Adams. She was had just been in Now and Then when and Casper when mm-hmm. this episode came out. So she took this year off kind of from big movies and this was kind of her transition year into uh into more adult movies. Like the next year would have been when she'd put out The Ice Storm, which right. I think was her first R-rated movie. Was that Ice Harvest or Ice Storm? The Ice Storm. Okay. Ice Harvest is a different movie or one I just made yeah, up. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Okay. I believe that is a Billy Bob Thornton John Cusack movie. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I didn't grow up watching a whole lot of movies. I, I'm still not a big movie watcher. Mm. So I was trying to think, what Christina Ricci movies have I seen? And I think it's Casper. I think that's the only one I've seen. <laughs> and actually, it's funny that you brought up Devin Sawa earlier because he was human Casper at the very end. Yes. Spoilers. Yeah. But, and um, he was in Now and Then as well. Like, <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I guess he was like a heartthrob back then. Um, Briefly. I only, Briefly. Yeah, I knew of him only because he's from Vancouver, BC. So ah. he was kind of a big deal locally. I think he went to the same high school as me, actually. Not in the same year, of course. Mm. But yeah. You weren't reading Tiger Beat, though? You weren't aware of the... <laughs> I, I wasn't into that kind of stuff, no. no. <laughs> teen Dream, Teen Steam. Teen <laughs> I like non-threatening boys. <laughs> <laughs> I think Christina Ricci gives it a real, like... R- reality to it of a, a, yeah. a child actor and then lisa plays off her really well it's too. why she's the only character that is given a name yes. no they all have names oh they do at the very end when oh they, yeah when they sign her uh yearbook i guess you, they're never spoken but you see them in the yearbook yeah the yeah. boys names are dean rick and ben i don't okay. know who's who and one of them like likes her you know <laughs> ah so these are like again uh, we saw this with um the kid who wanted bone storm uh these are some of the first jokes about millennials like these these were these were this these were us these kids were us our yeah. age uh, when watching this well how old do you think these kids are supposed to be i think maybe like a little bit older than lisa just because of how they're larger than her I'd so like 10 or 11 yeah. well, older than bart maybe a maybe a skosh yeah i read them as like maybe closer to 12 like I would say between Bart's age and uh, Dolph Kearney and Jimbo's age. Yeah, but between uh, 10 and 40. For oh, Kearney. right. Yeah, I guess uh, one of them is not a kid. <laughs> I, I, think they, I, I think they are pre-puberty, I would guess. I'm yeah. glad you finished that. That feels like a weird way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> pre-pubescent? I, as I would say pre-pubescent, I'm like, that feels weird to say. I don't know. Just say I, pre-pubes. I, <laughs> pre-pubes. <laughs> no, I, I also love the joke of Lisa scanning things for sarcasm. Like, wait, was that sarcasm? It's... It's a pain I feel too much in life was like, wait, was that person actually being complimentary or was that sarcastic? I better be careful. Why does that guy keep calling me boss? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care for that. Oh, sure, boss. Oh, hey. Uh, now, I hate that the 
almost an office culture of just like, hey, I'm just busting your bees. Like, no, you're not. It's like, F you. And now Kenny for sarcasm is sold on t-shirts. <laughs> I need that. Oh, God, yeah. I, I don't want to wear that shirt. <laughs> I, that was another of the many like Simpsons ripoff shirts that just had lines from the show in them. Like, the one I hated the most, a picture of a scary clown that said, yes. can't, don't, can't sleep, clown will eat me to and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw The Simpsons too. And then if I say that, I, they, they, if you were like, oh, cool Simpsons shirt, they were like, Simpsons? What? There's actually like a clothing line. I can't remember the brand name. They collaborated with The Simpsons to release official stuff, like kind of more higher end, uh, quote unquote, cool clothing. Oh, threadless. And threadless. Not, not threadless. No, it was like some other uh, fat, more fashion y line. Uh, One of the shirts released was, was of the cool Lisa in, from ooh, this episode, hmm. except the pattern on her shirt is different colors for some reason. Weird. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but Lisa is having a good time hanging out at uh, the library. Hey, Bart, Lisa's skateboarding with some cool kids. And she looks like Blossom. <laughs> Lisa? With people? <laughs> if they're impressed by her, I'm going to bart their world. Okay, Millhouse, you know the drill. Right. You go over and wild them. I hide in the shrubs. Hot stuff coming through. My friendship, you know you want it. That kid, like, tries too hard. <laughs> sure. The whole thing smacks of effort, man. <laughs> That's my dorky little brother, Bart. Tholomew. Mm-hmm. Like, who does he think he is with that slingshot in his back pocket? Dennis the Menace? Mr. Wilson or something. How'd it go? Are we down with him? No. They must have seen you. So whenever a uh, female friend of mine posts a picture of themselves from the 90s on Facebook, that is my stock uh, post. Like, it's blank and she looks like Blossom. <laughs> no matter what. No matter what. Yeah, like, I like the Blossom joke a lot, but she doesn't look like Blossom. In she this. needs a, one of those hats with a flower yeah, on it. Yeah, she needs like, the classic Blossom hat. I had that hat when I was a 10-year-old. Denim? Was it denim? <laughs> it was not denim, no. Okay. But I, it was like one of those weird caps with a flat front and a giant flower on, on I think the, front. Uh, the official Blossom hat is acid, uh, acid wash denim. Um, <laughs> right. I wasn't that cool. (laughs) So, uh, kids today, if you don't know what Blossom is, which... (laughs) Like, that doesn't even get rerun or anything. Like, it was a pretty good show. Blossom was a show known for its very special episodes. Yeah. Like, it starred by Bialik. It was, uh, well, Blossom was a show about a, a girl growing up in the 90s and having it real. And I there were often scenes about how her brother was a former, one older brother was a former drug addict. Another older brother was hunky heartthrob. Anyway, Jimmy whoa. Lawrence. <laughs> whoa. And, uh, and her father was like an ex-hippie who his uh, mom was died. And they'd often have lines like, well, why? did you get to smoke pot but you don't want me to smoke pot as a kid or why did you have premarital sex and i can't have premarital and she had a randy grandpa too yes, yeah. wow i never watched this show so mm. i had no idea it had these themes in it in my opinionation it's a good show mm. <laughs> opinionation is a word in the opening i'm sorry in my opinionation oh i and and who could forget her best friend six as well yeah i had a minor crush oh, on yeah. six <laughs> whatever happened to that actress she was I, in a Goofy movie, and then she <laughs> turned into sand. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, all I know is Maya Bialik is now uh, being rich on Big Bang Theory. That's the subject it. of a very rude joke on Arrested Development. Yeah. That Blossom you know, really I, blew up, is what yeah. uh, Jeffrey Tambor says. We all know about him. Yeah. Uh, I do like the skateboarding animation on Bart. That makes it even better when they are so not impressed that you even tried to do something. Like, it, it is really great to set up the, the anachronistic, by-design Bart's. 
against realistic 90s kids who are like, this is so corny. Like, you have a slingshot and a skateboard, and it's it's like, we, we're just hanging out here. We're mm-hmm. doing the, the ideal 90s kid thing. So Bart, Bart was going full Dennis and Menace yeah. in, in yeah. Uh, Two Bad Neighbors. Neighbors. He was. So, but that show exists in their world, I guess? I guess so, yeah. it's it's. I love, too, the... It kind of feels like even in 1990, when Bart was technically cool, that were he to exist around even 1990 kids, they'd be like, who is this? Yeah, I mean, at some point he says, I'm this century's Dennis the Menace. Oh, yeah. So oh, Dennis yeah. the Menace def- definitely exists in this world. Uh, but so Lisa, I also love how Lisa smartly says that she's older than Bart to make him the dorky little brother. It's just like, Bart Bartholomew. <laughs> Bart Bartholomew. She knew that, how that would be too cool being Bart, so she, she has to denigrate him a lot there. <laughs> oh, by the way, it was mentioned in the commentary that uh, Christina Ricci recorded over an ISDN line. Oh, yes, yeah. What is that? Uh, it's, well, it's a s- secure phone line of the time. They're like, well, we can't just record this over the phone. It'll sound like shit. So Now it's mm. much more popular. Well, I mean, even Harry Shearer just does that all the time. Like mm. the, the regulars on the show record over the phone. I remember as a kid reading that in um, like some Entertainment Weekly thing, like, oh, Matthew Broderick recorded from his home. I'm like, you couldn't even fucking drive somewhere to record <laughs> for The Lion King, dude? Like, come it's on. The, it's a Yeah, when it's a motion picture, even there, I'm like, Come on. Yeah, yeah. Like it's one day. It's an afternoon. Fly to LA. Though I guess for me, I'm such a Simpsons fan that if I was asked to be a guest star and I'd be like, Well, can I hang out all week? Or I mean like, <laughs> They can't up? get rid of you in the yeah. end. I'll read my spec script. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well what they made a if Seth Rogan says to them, I hey, I wrote a Simpsons script eight years ago, we'll make that episode right now, Seth. We have to get more famous and then they will accept us. Yes, that is that is the plan. So that's why I need fame. But uh anyway, Bart is left playing lame old games, and I think this is the line of the episode, though the line is a facial move. I would say. That's the joke. Oh, why do we have to play this lousy old game? Because it was the only one in the house. Mm-hmm. Come on, Homer. Open the door for your mystery date. <laughs> Ooh, captain of the football team. He's a dreamboat. Don't wait up, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bart. Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> You got the dud! <laughs> hey! He looks just like you, Poindexter! <laughs> How come Lisa doesn't have to play? Why does she get to hang out with her friends? You got friends, you got the dud right here. Stand up for yourself, Poindexter. <laughs> he doesn't know he doesn't know Milhouse's name, right? Being bullied by your friends is one thing, but to have a parent of them laugh at you is like I hate my life so much. <laughs> but nobody gives a shit about Milhouse this entire episode. He's such like a prop. Uh, I, I like Marge having fun though. She's having a good time with this mystery date game. It's very wholesome. Yeah, well she probably remembers playing it as a kid and now she's getting but it's the only game at the beach house. That's why they're playing it of all of them. Have you guys ever played Mystery? date i have not no i did play girl talk in the 80s <laughs> which is like uh did they have the the like a telephone or something no it was like a it was sort of like um you spin a wheel and you have to answer questions and if you get something wrong you put like a zit sticker on your face <laughs> um it's the ultimate punishment yeah. for girls uh but here's a commercial for the original mystery <laughs> Ooh, date. i love the song it's mystery date the thrilling new milton bradley game of romance and mystery that's just for you and you and you and you mystery date will you be ready for swimming or a dance <laughs> when you open the door will your mystery date be a dream 
dud. Oh. Fun <laughs> and surprises. That's mystery taking. Remember, Milton Bradley makes the best games in the world. So, girls, open the door for your mystery date. Get mystery date. Let's cool down a little bit. She's like, ah. Yes, yeah. uh, what, what does the dud look like? I didn't see the video. He's actually, he looks nothing like the nerd that there is, as Bill Oakley would tell us, that there is a card in Mystery Date that looks like Millhouse, but he's one of your good dates, that he's the, uh, the preppy hmm. kid. The dud is a slovenly dude who's like, not shirt isn't tucked in, Ooh. pants aren't <laughs> properly creased, his hair isn't cold. He missed a button. <laughs> he missed a button. Oh, shout out to a podcasting friend, Gary Butterfield, who has the dud tattoo on him uh, he got that recently oh and i love it it's is, great is it just of the dud or are there like decorative elements it's just the dud on his arm holding the, the wilting flower oh my god i love it this is based on bill oakley and josh weinstein's life but we when we asked bill oakley about it he he talked about how he he loved the term dud because his sister would use it all the time to describe <laughs> things like oh what a dud that guy's a dud that's a pretty 90s term i guess it's mm. a fun word. Yeah. I like dud. <laughs> I also like milk duds. They're tasty. They're, I wouldn't, I'd wouldn't. i say yes to those mystery days. They will not blow up in your mouth yeah. as advertised. They will tear your teeth <laughs> apart, though. That's, that is what they yeah, I was never a, like a girly girl growing up at all. Mm. So even if I had the chance to, I don't think I would have wanted to play a game like this. Like, How do you play it even? Do you know? You Well... As they show in the commercial, you have to be ready for your mystery date, meaning this guy's going to take you to the prom, so you better have your prom dress card. But if you only in your deck have the beach party card, then you can't go to the prom with your <laughs> mystery date. It's really teaching mm. girls this is what you're expected to do as a woman yeah. right. or a man. Yeah, better start them early. And now you get ready for your mystery date by Googling their name. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like what you said about uh, Hitler here. No, I, I You dis- like him, eh? <laughs> I do dislike on date. I'm glad I'm out of the dating pool now because now it's not even the awkward thing on a first date to say what you do. It's just like, well, you definitely Google me. So yes, I do do a podcast about The Simpsons. I, I think I'm too internet famous now to sign up for a dating site again. I think I actually have to meet people in real life now. Oh. Like, Because now you can just like, oh, Bob Mackey, I can know everything about him. <laughs> I don't know. Some people um, don't really do that. I find like there are a lot of people who who like met me and they knew that I would be a guest at whatever, but they don't bother looking me up because they want to meet me in person first and hear this, my huh. story from me, like okay. from my own mouth. I'm such an internet stalker. I can't imagine. <laughs> me too. Uh, I'll Google everybody. There's uh, on that awesome new Netflix show Agretzko. They have the the character Fenico on it. She just knows everything about people just because she reads their Instagrams all the time. Mm-hmm. And people are freaked out. Like, how do you know this? Because it's right here on their website. Yeah, I, I am Fenico. Like, that's exactly what I do. And it's like, hey, they're putting this out publicly. <laughs> this is not this is not freaking me out, but it's always fun to meet people at cons and stuff. Uh, and I, we, I do a lot of panels. I do a lot of like uh, setups at cons. And they'll mm. tell me a story about myself that I forgot that I told on a podcast. I'm like, how do you know this about me? This thing that happened to me when I was 15. Uh, uh, I share a lot. The, the reveal of Homer's, see, Homer's realization that Millhouse looks like the dud is one of the best animated moments in the series just a slow <laughs> mouth I wonder movement. why they decided to go with that I don't know I wish it, they went into that in the commentary actually it's such subtle acting on Homer you really yeah. see such, beautiful you really see such smooth animation on the show just that's how, a lot of frames yeah and it's so timing based too and it, why it became such a before 
Team Tams, it was one of the top Simpsons shit posts of just the <laughs> reveal, recontextualizing the dud in different places. And when the dud is seen, then you cut back to the character, and now they have Homer's mouth slowly <laughs> smiling. I think my favorite one is from Homer the Smithers when Mr. Burns puts the mirror underneath yes. the door, turns it, it's the dud, and then he has a slow smile creeping across his face. <laughs> to set this recording in time, we are now in the era of the shit post of Bart hitting Homer with the chair, and that turning into a lot of things. And I, those have been all very good. So I also do love the Bart watching Lisa with Milhouse's glasses. Yeah. It's so great that his his glasses work as binocular. And then also Milhouse petting the, the crab. I just love that too. <laughs> oh yeah, this speaking of crabs, this was the first time when Lisa's hanging out with her kids I realized like the hermit crab is symbolic of Lisa. It's oh, yeah, Lisa yeah. getting rid of her. That's why she kept the shell and put it on a string because she uh, it, it really clicked for me when she referred to the hermit crab as a her and I was like oh Lisa is projecting herself on that crab mm. whether she realizes it or not I never thought of it that way before it's cool so this this episode like it's it's very emotional for me not just nostalgia wise but like as a kid I did not mind having isolated and weird summers where I'd be alone in fact that's how I prefer things as an adult loneliness is kind of shitty and whenever I'm meeting new people it's the reason all of my friends are online weirdos is because I'm an online weirdo. I can't stop. Uh, I'm not saying I'm smart, but I can't stop learning about stuff. And like, I'm addicted to knowing things. So when I meet new people, I always have to check myself like, oh, you just mentioned something. I listened to eight hours of a true crime podcast about that. I could tell you so much about it, but I won't. The, the worst feeling is like, oh my God, you guys are normal. What do, what do I say? I don't know what to say. And I feel like Lisa has the exact same problem because she is like a mega nerd who wants to just overshare all this all the stuff that she knows. Mm-hmm. But the, she's not on the same wavelength with these people. So that that affected me uh, watching this now. Like I can totally relate to that. And I'm not saying normal people are worse than me. They're better than me. But I just, it, it's hard to connect sometimes. I just want to say when Bob said, all my friends are online weirdos, he looked at me. (laughs) (laughs) You're included. (laughs) Oh, thanks. I just wanted to say I have like crab opinions because I really like crabs. (laughs) I'll talk more about the hermit crab part later, but um, I like horseshoe crabs a lot, especially. And whenever I go to an aquarium, there's a chance to pet a horseshoe crabs. I will do it. And I will say nice doggy because I always (laughs) think of that scene. Horseshoe crabs are really fascinating though. Like they're considered living fossils because they've been around for like 450 million years apparently. Wow. Yeah. And they look like crustaceans, but they're more like arachnids. So they're like sea spiders almost with like protective shells. (laughs) I heard a joke like this from Jim Gaffigan, but I thought this before, so I'm not stealing this from him. But, <laughs> but, but crabs and lobsters are bugs. They're just yep. they're underground bugs that people eat just because they're just they, delicious, delicious. Yeah, they're, they're in the spider family. Bugs. They're arachnids, I believe. They're uh, the most delicious bugs ever. But you are <laughs> you are eating bugs. That's that's uh, keep that in mind when you're eating bugs. Mm. So these things have they have like five pairs of legs, nine eyes. They have the largest cones and rods in their eyes of any ma- uh, animal. Wow. wow. Yeah, but. But they have really poor eyesight. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Just like Millhouse. <laughs> yes, they swim upside down and they breed, <laughs> they breed in, and I'm quoting National Geographic here, a massive beach orgy. Wow. A bunch Shout of, out to horseshoe crabs. Yeah, a, a bunch nice. of males will crowd a female and all fertilize together. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was wondering if you learned that from Baywatch. <laughs> I, I always pet the horseshoe crabs too, even though I think that we shouldn't. Like, is this is this okay? Should we be touching these guys? I felt that when I pet yeah. a manta ray once, yeah, like, it's yeah, right. <laughs> they must be sick of that by now, <laughs> or maybe they don't care. I don't and know. They, if they've been in captivity that long, who knows what they're thinking? But be careful when petting a horseshoe crab, though, because their eyes are on top. Oh, oh. so Milhouse might have been blinding that horseshoe crab with <laughs> petting it. Nice. Yeah, it wasn't maggot's tail; it was in pain. Aww. <laughs> I love the sound it makes. Oh yeah, I don't think that's 
the sound they do make, but no. the, yeah, the, the whoever does the sound must have had fun with that. It's like, what does a horseshoe crab sound like? I was just thinking of the level in Katamari Damacy where you're just rolling up crabs and they all make these horrible noises that I don't, I don't think any crab oh, makes. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, Homer has his own adventure in the world of illegal fireworks. Oh, I bet this place sells illegal fireworks. Just go in and act casual like you buy them all the time. Hey, um, let me have one of those porno magazines. Mm -hmm. Large box of condoms, a bottle of old Harper, a couple of those panty shields, and some illegal fireworks, and one of those disposable enemas. Uh, No, make it two. My apologies, sir, but the sale of fireworks is prohibited in this state and is punishable by a... Follow me. I want this town to Apu, uh, Shelbyville's Apu, and Apu to get together and hang out. <laughs> Just hang out. I I love his conspiratorial. Follow me. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's that's little value, Martha too, which is a cute little name. It uh, sort of reminds me of my. I didn't have Seven Elevens where I grew up in Florida. We had Little Champs. Mm, yeah, no Seven Elevens for me. It was a bunch of different like mini mart chains with all weird names. This scene is based on multiple things in this episode. Reference it, but this scene is based on a very specific scene from American Graffiti, which I have right here. Want something? Um, yeah. Let me have, okay, yeah, let me have a a Three Musketeers and a ballpoint pen, one of those combs there, a pint of old Harper, uh, a couple of flashlight batteries, and some beef jerky. an ID for the liquor? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, Nat, I left it in the car. Sorry. You'll have to get it before. Oh, well, I, I also, I forgot the car. So right there in the clip, the guy asked for a bottle of Old Harper. So uh, yeah. that is the specific alcohol he's getting, which is why Homer asked for a bottle of Old Harper in it. And the mm-hmm. end uh, shot is also American Graffiti, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the same song. So I've yep, never yep. actually watched that movie. I haven't either. I've no. seen clips of it. Never watched it in full. The weirdest thing to me is that like what Harrison Ford is just a minor part in it. As it oh, was I didn't know he was in there. Roles. Basically, all the people on Happy Days were just cast straight out of this yeah. movie. Yeah. I took the trouble to go through all the firework names, which I don't think I've ever done before. There's one by the door that has a joke written on it, sort of the, a thin rocket shape. If you can make that out or let me know what that <laughs> says, I could not for the life of me. But we have uh, Bang Time Fun Bomb, Yang Si Doodle Fireworks, Terrorizing Dog Missile, <laughs> uh, Screaming Tower, Jumping Ancestor, Whistling Menace, Bright Color Assailant, and Homer buys the M320. If you don't know what an M80 is, it's a quarter stick of dynamite. He just bought a stick of dynamite. That's that's why it's called an M320. Uh, that's the joke. That's the joke. I've never had an M80. Like they are, they are basically illegal. You, if you have a, you can get your hands on them, but it's harder than say a gun. But they used to be. They were legal until the '60s, which yeah. I don't know. I guess shows you that you can control <laughs> weapons with legislation. I mean, they were spoken of in my school days as if it was like the BFG from Doom. Like he's got an M80. M80. Man. I was curious to know what uh, fireworks laws are like here and where you grew up. Well, in California or in the Bay Area, forest fires they are so afraid of, like, you can 
you oh, maybe yeah. can buy a sparkler. And, that's and it. it's 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 illegal to light them anywhere. Like you're in big trouble. Yeah. I, friend of the show, Michael and Diana uh, Raparez, uh, they live in like near the ocean in San Francisco. So they actually you can light fireworks in their area. So mm-hmm. one fourth of July, they host a fourth of July thing there. And part of their big selling point was like, and we're gonna light fireworks because we can here. Mm-hmm. That's true. In Ohio, we had uh, Phantom Fireworks, is a major fireworks oh, corporation. Good. And but the thing is, it's like a real wink wink thing where it's like when you buy them, you're like, I'm gonna take these out of state to st- uh, scare crows off yep. of my farm. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, wink. That was the exact thing <laughs> I, I did in Florida too, because in my county, you could buy some fireworks, but not particularly powerful ones. If you went over the border to St. Augustine, America's first city, you would sign one of those contracts too. It was like, this is to scare birds on my farm. Okay, then here are the biggest ones you can get. So not M80 big. Birds are only afraid of a $100 thing called uh, Bin Laden's Last Stand. And I need that on my farm. <laughs> yeah, I've only been in the States during the 4th of July uh, celebration weekend. Uh, once in my lifetime. I think that was either Long Beach or Anaheim. I was there for Anime Expo. And man, I didn't know. I, I knew fireworks was a, was a thing for 4th of July, but I don't know how crazy people <laughs> got with it. There was just smoke and like loud banging sounds everywhere. It was it was <laughs> Amer- kind of weird. Americans really do like to blow up a small chunk of their nation to celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, my summers, like until school started, you'd be, sit, you'd be walking over spent bottle rockets all summer. Just uh, mm, they'd be yeah. everywhere, littering yeah. everywhere. We had bottle rocket fights a couple times, just (laughs) shooting them at each other. So in Vancouver, uh, fireworks, and I didn't know this for a long time. In fact, people who live in Vancouver, I've lived in Vancouver all my life. And a lot of other people who are in the same situation as me uh, still don't know this, I think, that it's a Halloween tradition to set off fireworks in Vancouver only. Like Vancouver and like the lower BC, lower mainland area. I thought it was a universal thing that everybody did it all across (laughs) North America. But Uh, then, yeah, some people, some people from like other parts of Canada would come to move to Vancouver and be like, what's with all the fireworks? So they're uh, illegal in Vancouver, except for October 25th to 31st. Firework sales are legal. Got to be 19 or over. You have to get a a permit, but it's free. It's easy to get. And they can only be set off on Halloween and only on private property. Wow. Yeah, I was, it was 18 and over for the fireworks as well in in florida i believe it was at least these really awesome ones yeah so in school they would always teach us fireworks safety uh, close to halloween time because they expect you to do it and they don't want you to get your fingers blown off yeah mm-hmm. i also love the term flag fearing american <laughs> flag fearing uh, and uh, then homer takes it home and i also just love marge's reaction to the bag of yeah shit. <laughs> gee i don't know what you've got planned for tonight homer but count me out mm-hmm. Didn't you buy any meat? <laughs> this baby's sure to kill something. Okay, now, everybody, stand back while I celebrate freedom. Bart, give me your matches. Fresh out. No lighter? Nothing? <laughs> oh, wait. I got it. And then there's a great uh, all-visual scene of Homer lighting it on the stove, throwing it in the fridge, realizing the beer could be injured, <laughs> and then throwing it in the dishwasher, and then walking away. And the next scene immediately cut to see Marge cleaning it up in the background, which is great. It's a great joke. It's pretty shitty to Marge that she has to clean up all this sh- oh, garbage. She's happy, though. Look how happy she yeah. is. Yeah. In a later scene, she's uh, humming happily to herself as she's washing like broken and burned <laughs> dishes in the sink. Uh, I have an interesting story about the scene where Homer is running around with the fireworks. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, long story short, I got into Bongo uh, because of a fan art that I did. Uh, this was back in 2007. I was um, I recently got unemployed, so for two months I just took uh, commissions, and I was living off of commissions for a while. That was my first time uh, working at home, just doing artwork for a living. But I decided that I should get a part-time job anyway. This can't last forever. I need steady income. But before I do that, I should do all the fun fan art that I couldn't do when I was working because I'd be too uh, tired when I got home. And one of the things I always wanted to do was to draw the Simpsons in my style. So I, I took this like giant group picture official piece of art uh, because I didn't want to have the burden of choosing which characters to draw. Hmm. And I just redrew that in my style, which is like a manga slash anime style. Whoa. And it was called, uh, the, I called it the Simpsonzu. And I put it on <laughs> DeviantArt and I just drew it like, Really quickly, just for fun, I had to go to a friend's birthday party that night. So I was like, oh, this is done enough. Upload, go to a friend's party, go uh, come back home, go to sleep. And the next morning, it was like everywhere online. It had gone viral. Uh, it was thanks to mostly Dig. Remember Dig? Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. I was king of Dig for about two days for something <laughs> I wrote. Uh, yeah, so like it was everywhere and it got the attention of uh, Bongo Comics. Wow. Yeah, who who had a script for a manga style that called for a manga style Simpsons story, and it was written by Chuck Dixon. They said, "Hey, we saw your um, your piece of art. We actually don't have an artist for the script, and we've been looking for one. We can't find someone who can draw uh, Simpsons." in a good manga style, but we saw your piece, Can You Do Comics? And by that point, I'd already been doing a webcomic for like three years. So I showed that to them and they're like, okay, yeah, you can do comics. Uh, and that was my first time being published ever was through Bongo Comics. Wow, that's wow. amazing. Yeah. Just what a find. Yes. Uh, thanks well, in part to Dig. That's yeah, cool. Dig did kind of try to take a lot of credit for it. <laughs> but that's another whole other story. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that is like the part you were born to play, baby. Yeah, like, pretty much. Because yeah. growing up, I always was into manga and anime but i also like simpsons i never thought to merge the two together also all my classmates would say wow you should work for the simpsons you're so good at drawing them i would be like i don't want to be an animator though <laughs> and i don't want to move to la or wherever they they do the show but i never thought to do bongo comics i never thought that was possible like working in vancouver can people still find this image online Oh, yeah. Just look up the Simpsons or cool. just Google anime Simpsons. And I'm sure it'll be like the first <laughs> image that comes up. I also did something called I, I did like a Futurama version version called Futurama Super Happy Fun Show. The title's not great. Uh, I couldn't think of any any ideas for it. So I was contacted by Nathan Kane, who was the art director at the time. Now he's taken over Bongo since Bill Morrison left. But I was also uh, contacted by someone from Fox. Uh, it was a guy named uh, Alex Roos. He was in charge of the merchandising uh, department. And um, he said, hey, like uh, some of your Simpsons and Futurama art is floating around my department and like people are going nuts over it. And uh, I just showed Matt Groening's close friend, Millie, and she liked it and she wants to know more about you. So can we like uh, keep him my phone number and we can chat? I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my gosh. Whoa. And uh, I called him up and we talked and he said, oh, maybe we can get you a job doing merchandise art for us. <laughs> that never happened in the end, but it was still uh. cool talking to him about it. He also left his job shortly. I think that's a large reason why I couldn't get doing anything for it but I was busy doing bongo stuff anyway so so whatever wow uh, and by the time this happened uh, we were also in the same issue of imagine FX together issue oh number gosh. 15 yeah so Alex Ruiz was the one who animated that scene of Homer running around with the lit 
Kate's fireworks. Wow. Oh, wow. And I only know this because he's mentioned in the commentary. I can't remember who says it, but he says, uh, Alex was so good, uh, he was snatched away by Fox merchandising. I was like, hey, okay. I know him. I Man. talked to him. Wow. It's an incredible scene, especially even the mm. camera movements are just so perfectly done, too. Yeah, Homer's just flailing from position to position is perfect. His gripping his teeth while also holding the explosive as far from him as possible. It's just, it's all over the place, just great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. If, if you look up his artwork now, you would not tell that he worked on The Simpsons ever. It's all very... Mm. Like really dark, heavily rendered um, uh, digital paintings of like cool sci-fi stuff. But uh, there's like a bit of info about him on his website. He became a character animator on The Simpsons at age 19. Wow. Oh. And then he became the director of illustration in 2003 for Fox's license and merchandise department. I actually got a chance to meet him in person at San Diego Comic Con. He had a table there. And I was like, hey, like remember me? And we, ha- we had a little <laughs> chat and he didn't have any of his Simpsons stuff out. And I said, how come you don't have your Simpsons stuff out? I'm sure that would draw attention. He's like, well, that's exactly what why like i don't want people to think that's all i do Mm, that's all people would ever focus on if he had simpsons stuff out and i kind of feel the same way now because i used to sell simpsons comics at at conventions but now i i don't have room for that kind of stuff anymore like i do a lot of my own stuff Mm. and yeah like i attract a lot of kids to my table when i have that out i'm not great at talking to kids so i just kind of like (laughs) hide that away now (laughs) it's it's a double-edged sword i guess of Mm -hmm. like do you want to pull them in with the simpsons or do you want them to but then they'll just ignore your other stuff potentially yeah yeah i uh, I actually saw an artist like that at uh, New York Comic Con who they had been an artist on King of the Hill and they were going hard on the other direction of that of like no 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 everything is I'm going to draw King of the Hill characters with here's Dale spraying bug spray on Spider-Man I, like, <laughs> I like that I bought it I bought, <laughs> that's and then a crossover I, I want to happen <laughs> what an amazing connection to this episode mm-hmm. the, oh so then we also get the great line about like Bart being jealous of Lisa is just so awesome here oh this is the worst 4th of July ever. I hate America. Mm-hmm. Come on, Milhouse, let's go down there. I don't think you should. Let Lisa be alone with her new friends. They're my friends, rightfully. She only got them by copying me. Don't have a cow, man. <laughs> oh, see? That's my expression. Oh, you haven't said that in four years. Let Lisa have it. It's the principle. She's gotta learn. No. Now park your keister, meester. Hi, caramba. <laughs> <laughs> Marge is a very good Simpsons historian. I, I checked Frankie Act. This is not a, an official statement, by the way. I could be wrong. But I believe the last time he said Don't Have a Cow wasn't Bart the Murderer, which was season three, which was four years ago. That is what my research mm. revealed as yeah. well, yes. I couldn't find an early one. And even then, that was a postmodern joke about it. Yeah. Like, he says, and like, Don't Have a Cow. All right, in the thoid. And it wins. Beat yabba dabba doo. Yeah, I think Bart had completely stopped saying Like, no writer cared to say that. That was old. That's like a season one late. Thing, yeah. yeah i i oh yeah also the the fourth of july jokes right before that one marge is great at reading the room too when she's like rice crispy squares and tang and she just Turns walks right around. out there's not even a sound for it yeah i'd only ever heard tang reference on the simpsons at this point i is never it, is it good at all no <laughs> uh, it's like uh if you don't if you don't want to go to the trouble of putting sugar in kool-aid it's already there mm-hmm. but i guess there's some kool-aid that is pre-sugared too there are some sugar there's sugar and sugar-free kool-aid but uh but and then you just add more for kool-aid to it if you want tang for me was always below kool-aid on the quality <laughs> scale not that not that kool-aid is uh, fu- uh ambrosia it has more not. of a citrusy 
tang to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like orangutan, named after the things that it tastes like. So she went through the trouble of making Rice Krispie squares, but she just put together some shoddy tang for the drink. (laughs) I guess it's just seen as lame, but the, yeah. It's also a very uh, 60s and 70s mom thing, which all the writers are drawing upon, too. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, I wouldn't have said no to Rice Krispie squares, but it's real nice of Marge to read the room correctly. Like, I want her to have friends. I got to work real hard on that. And if that means leaving the room. She's being very, uh, very protective of Lisa, especially with how she's like reigning in Bart. Yeah. And also, this is when I learned when Bastille Day was. Yeah. The 14th of July. Get some baguettes. In in France, it's just called the 14th of July. Mm. Like, it's not, it's Bastille Day is what apparently English speaking countries mainly call it. But that's like, it's just the 14th of July, just like July 4th is Independence Day here. Just curious, uh, whenever you brought friends over, uh, what did your mom serve to them? She'd buy pizza and like Coke for us, but not really like, she wouldn't like make popcorn or cookies or snacks or anything like that. I I ate a lot of bagel bites at friends' houses, like a lot of like just bags of frozen junk you give the teenagers and kids. (laughs) Yeah. What what did your mom do? Uh, Oh, well, she was a very Japanese mom, so she went all out. Oh my gosh. Would buy like special cakes and and stuff. Um, Whatever she, whenever I was over at a friend's place, and she'd come to pick me up she'd be like thanks for uh, taking uh, care of her and just give them an entire cake too so wow people liked having me over for that reason I think also uh, I distinctly remember this Um, I once had some of my animation school buddies over and she offered beer to the guys but not the girls (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had an opposite version of this Lisa thing happen once when it was my first sleepover with these new cooler kids they were not cool we were all dorks but (laughs) these were cool they were a class higher of cool and it was the first sleepover of them and I was like 13 or 14 and my mom dropped me off at the door like she had on when I was like 11 and I was laughed at of like oh your mommy had to drop you off at the door mm. I was like well I've learned my lesson never <laughs> mom stay in the car that was a tough uh, sleepover I had better sleepovers <laughs> I guess it's different for girls then mm. Because I don't think we would have ever made fun of each other for moms picking us up or dropping us off. Yeah, these guys needed to show how tough they were and how you were not tough and, in fact, were a uh, other F word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, this was the first time I noticed the kitchen curtains had the Jesus fish on them. I never caught that. Oh, okay. That. I, didn't, I didn't see that. It, instead of corn cobs from The Simpsons, it's it's a Jesus fish. Just let you know, it's Nads. Yeah, also, in the, I forgot to bring this up, but in the scene where Homer's running around with the fireworks, there's a bulletin board in the background that has... A Bible, like, Bible number? What do you call those things again? Oh, yeah. uh, like a verse. Like a Bible yeah. verse on it, yeah. It was 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11. So I looked up what that is. I don't know, should I read this whole thing? Sure, go well, for it. Uh, yeah. It's for, only three uh, lines <laughs> okay. or whatever. Uh, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor uh, drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, that's the verse people use to justify things. That's yeah. A one. yeah. yeah. I know I'm wondering why, how it ended up in the background there. Hmm. That's a that might be a common thing to put up. I mean, there are a lot of verses. If you're a Christian, you see the the name of it, you know what it is. You know, mm-hmm. you know, for just from seeing it, like John three sixteen, mm-hmm. not Austin three sixteen. <laughs> that's a parody. That means I just kicked your ass. Yeah, <laughs> I would guess that's a popular one in the uh, verses of like it's about being sanctified and blah blah blah. And I get angry at any of those ones about like the ones that justify hating homosexuality, especially because it's like I can read you eighteen ones about how you're not supposed. To 
eat a pig, but or or not eat cheeseburgers. Meat. Yeah, cheeseburger. Well, we can cut that verse part out no. if it's too depressing. No, or no, whatever. no, no, that was fun. <laughs> or it was informative. We needed to know what it was. Uh, but then Bart has has had just too much, and it's time for him to reveal Lisa's secret. <laughs> really is mm-hmm. check this out miss perfect attendance grammar rodeo head buckaroo <laughs> the french table ooh la la <laughs> teacher's pet <laughs> I, I really appreciate the kind of spooky shot where when Lisa's bouncing up and down, like as with each bounce, Bart is like appearing closer and closer. It's it's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> it's like uh, the it clown getting closer yeah. and closer every time he looks with bringing doom. I also love the animation on her, like while bouncing in the air, going like no. <laughs> And then Bart's slow nodding of, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is going to happen. I'm going to do this. You're going to be ruined. <laughs> Man, I was totally a teacher's pet when I was mm-hmm. in elementary school. Uh, I was never in a yearbook about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> they had an official title in the yearbook, <laughs> Teacher's Pet, not knowing that is an insult to kids. And then this is the return of the Grammar Rodeo. They were on a real Grammar oh, Rodeo yeah. kick, but this was Grammar the Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> we're going was... to a Grammar Rodeo. <laughs> but this was the true Grammar Rodeo that Lisa attended, not the fake one that Bart made up about taking place in uh, Canada. Canada. Why would they have our Grammar Rodeo in their country? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, we have different rules. Uh, all that, yeah, all that British even... English. Get it out of here. I didn't even think about that British English style uh, in, uh, conflicting with a Grammar Rodeo. You can really feel Lisa's pain as she runs away there too just like oh it's her tears just it hurts it hurts so much smart move that the the cool kids don't react in any way or we don't see them react it's all in lisa's head really and it's also a great smash cut to the next morning of marge washing the broken dishes yeah. happily there as bart thinks this is just uh, a little thing that's gonna pass right by i guess my little yearbook stunt was pretty rough but it did teach you a lesson it's important to be yourself i know exactly who i am I am the sister of a rotten, jealous, mean little sneak. You cost me my only friends. You ruined my life. Hey, kids, there's a carnival tonight. Oh, boy, a carnival. (laughs) Uh, It's been done before, even on The Simpsons, but I I love any joke where it's revealed another character has always been there throughout like a very important or emotional (laughs) or tense scene. It just, I love that reveal so much, especially because Milhouse is such a doof. Yeah. And he's not even aware of this like tension between Bart and Lisa, apparently. Yeah, I've seen this episode so many times, and yet that surprises me every single time. (laughs) He's like, has his head down behind a cereal box. And then he um, doesn't mind that he's hidden by a cereal box all the time. He does, he has no opinion on what Bart and Lisa uh, we're just arguing about and Ian says like oh boy a carnival <laughs> like, and great delivery by Yardley Smith uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Lisa has ever been that mad uh, before this yeah and it, Bart kind of like cowers away from her even though he is the older kid so he shouldn't really be afraid of her but he's just like uh oh I I went too far yeah like, he doesn't know what Lisa will do yeah she's not like yelling at him uh, with a lot of passion she's just, like mm-hmm. she's trying to contain her anger and it's like she uh, it's seething and it's boiling and you can tell how angry she is because of that and also you can see that she like 
lets the bear, the honey bear, have a little bit of inhale of air because she's going to pour all the yeah. honey on his face, but then Marge comes in the room. So, That's oh. such good attention to detail. <laughs> Even with all of her rage, she's very perceptive about where Marge is. <laughs> yeah, though these carnival jokes, they didn't have enough time for all the carnival yeah. jokes they could do they'll do more in a future episode the funny the one that's actually funny i think is the one where they're both spinning on each other but it keeps hitting millhouse yes <laughs> yeah they'll make well, me get the carny i love marge's thing. and same with the the water guns like they'd done that joke before that at that was at the swap meet i believe where millhouse mm. is blasting martin in the face with yeah the, the water the, yeah that millhouse is just stuck in the middle of this that he's this torture it is to be millhouse is to be in hell that's why <laughs> It is. I feel the same way as Marge whenever I try to do bumper cars. I've, I've never actually driven in my life. So uh, really? whenever I get in something like that, I'm like I'm like mildly terrified. <laughs> and also whenever I'm playing a video game where you do, do a lot of driving, like Grand Theft Auto, I try to drive safely. <laughs> and then it doesn't work because I end up slamming into uh, the walls all the time. I'm like, I should never drive in real life. I'm terrible at this. Driving's no fun. Real cars need bumpers. I hate (laughs) bumper cars. I also am. I agree with Marge's philosophy too. Just like, let's just have fun. You don't have to bump (laughs) each other. There's no rule about it. It's just fun to drive around. Though bumper cars should really just be called like neck pain. Like that's yeah. They, oh yeah, whiplash <laughs> machines. Yeah. <laughs> They're fine for children, but adults, like, why would you ever squeeze your ass into a bumper car to just be jerked around by that shit? That's another danger of bumper cars that happens to Lisa, which is if you get a bad bumper car, you're extra screwed. You're just going to be smashed by everybody. That it was so bad that she just gets her bumper car smacked out of the thing and just it just stops right in front of the tree. And, but and it goes from that like extreme comedy to her just sad walking away mm. it's 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 a nice range of emotions you get in that scene and that's where you can see bart being guilty yeah it's it's good he felt guilty this episode isn't bart's story it's very much lisa's but i like they at least show that like bart as a lesson for mean older siblings out yeah. there to learn like maybe lay, lay off your sister a little bit give her at least some space so this is when Lisa meets her friends again, which I swear to God, IRL, this would not happen. And the, the cool friends would just go like, yeah, you're a dork. Meh. They just ghost you. Mm-hmm. you yeah, know, they just at ghost best. you. <laughs> They'd be like, I'm never going to see you again in 24 hours. So who cares? But uh, not these kids. Being myself didn't work. Being someone else didn't work. Maybe I just wasn't meant to have friends. Lisa is going to freak when she sees this. Well, hurry up. They'll be back soon. Lisa. Okay, you found out I'm an overachieving bookworm, so whatever mean prank you're pulling, just finish it up and send me a Polaroid. I'm going to sleep. Well, wait, Lisa. Look! It's a really sweet moment. It's it's real nice. Yeah, and I also like through the episode, uh, like at first Lisa's pretending to be someone she's not to be popular, but then later she integrates her, you know, know it allness into being a cool <laughs> kid to like teach the uh, millennials about, you know, not to drink ocean water <laughs> and how hermit crabs, crabs work. Yeah, yeah, so I like that mm. she eventually found a middle ground between, you know, being a, somebody else and being herself. Like she mm-hmm. she became less uptight basically. She learned to loosen up too. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And that she, I love her. Like my first real friend, 
ship racing. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I had on my my website was that image of the car covered in shells that said Lisa rules on it. I did it all in MS Paint, and I was very proud of it. Wow, that's wow. a lot of work. Yeah, that's that- one of the few things from my website that still remains. Uh, okay, so you can look it up, and I think I did a pretty good job of it back then. And uh, I also love that Lisa reflects on them, just like to cover up my nerdish leanings. leanings. <laughs> like she won't say she can't commit to full like nerdiness. She's like leanings. <laughs> uh, but then we get the the end of the episode here, which is uh, a great range of emotions. I just love all this. Does this mean you still want to be friends, even though I tried to cover up my nerdish leanings? Hmm. Look, we don't care who you were. You can't fake the kind of good person that you are. Yeah, you taught us about cool things like nature and why we shouldn't drink seawater. <laughs> this is the most thoughtful thing anybody ever... Sweet, merciful crap! My car! Uh, the polite thing to do would have been to clean the shelves first. Show! Show! I guess I should give this back to you. I showed it to your friends again before we left. Look inside. Oh, thanks, Bart. <laughs> I signed it too. <laughs> so we're getting closer to Millhouse being in love with Lisa. Uh, truly, close. truly. I mean, yeah. I think uh, ultimately um, Lisa's wedding sort of put that into everyone's mind, right? Yeah. Millhouse that, doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, Millhouse doesn't count. And same with, with in the flashback within the flash forward that she's like i just don't think i'll ever be married like oh Melhouse definitely has a crush on lisa i still hate that the show tries to couple them together as a real couple and not as just that Melhouse is a sad loser in love with his the only girl in his orbit yeah Bart's sister he's mm-hmm. a better vehicle for jokes about unrequited love than <laughs> well how do you feel about Melhouse lisa pairings I don't know. I think it's better that they never end up together in any capacity. Mm-hmm. He's not right for her. And it's part of the whole trope of like, oh, if the guy keeps pestering the girl, eventually she'll give in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's that's another problem with but it. But they are married in like some of the, in the new future canon, like the recent yeah. future canon. Yeah. The recent future that they keep revisiting that is consistent. They are married, which I'm just not a fan of. Mm-hmm. I also love uh, Homer's off-screen sweet merciful crap and you just see a silhouette great silhouette too it's so it's so expressive just in a silhouette and yeah the uh you mentioned before nina that's where we find out their names from their uh messages to her this was the first time i had paused to read those messages and i love that one of them says like next year bring your microscope like yeah it's cute (laughs) it's really it's really cute and what makes this such a complete episode to me is they set up the yearbook in the episode at the start it is a through line throughout the whole episode and pays off with her getting all the signatures she wanted in there so she'll never forget them. It's just, it's a beautiful ending. I love it. Yeah, overall, it's like a really well-structured episode. It's really solid. Mm-hmm. And I just love the ending shot so much. That's like one of my favorite moments in the entire series, I would <laughs> yeah. say, just a hermit crab. It uh, is great, in, in yeah. The, in the Duff beer can, or Buzz, Buzz, Cola, Buzz Cola, yeah. Cola can, yeah. That was also another image that I had uh, drawn for my, my website, mm-hmm. and I just love it. It's so cute i love hermit crabs to begin with too so like i think it's so cool and fascinating and kind of metal that hermit crabs rely on the husk of another dead creature <laughs> to protect themselves it is mm-hmm. and like- and like this does happen where they use uh, 
sadly, it's been where they use human garbage as their mm-hmm. homes now. Like you can easily find images online of uh, hermit crabs using things like bottle caps and like even cans. Like they do use aluminum cans as their homes as well. There's one cool image of a hermit crab using the head of a plastic baby doll. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh. it's, it's really creepy. Something you find in Pikmin or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode, I find it funny that now I know from experience, and we'll talk about it on that episode, that the writers don't like Homer Palooza that much. Uh, and they always say like once we get to the end of a season we're all so tired and the episodes aren't as good but this is like literally the last episode maybe not the last production episode but it's still like almost perfect for Mm -hmm. being the last episode of a season go back in time and look at our other last episodes except for who shot Mr. Burns of course and they're a little (laughs) rougher than this yeah, they 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 really had something to say with this episode. It's one of my favorites. It's as it's one of those ones that as I get older, it means a lot more to me. Where I'm just like, oh, this is. I am now nostalgic in the age of the Simpsons writers were when they wrote this episode. So mm-hmm. it's it's getting me in from that angle that it wasn't before. And it's a really good beginning of summer episode too. It just feels so summery. And just listening to the audio you've been uh, for the from the clips that you've been playing, you hear the like the sandy beaches and the seagulls. Yeah. Those are all these. Sand- I've been hearing on my trip to San Francisco right oh, now. Oh, nice. And it is, it is Memorial Day today, not mm-hmm. to date this, but we are at the beginning of summer. <laughs> this makes it feel like you're ready to get into summer right now, right yeah. after watching this episode. Put on your medium jackets for summer in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening, folks. Uh, let's talk to Nina. Where can we find you? How can we support you? And uh, can you go over what you do currently right now? I mainly work for Fangamer.com. If you've been to any convention, I'm sure you'll see a ton of people wearing my shirts. Uh, maybe you have some of my shirts. Just go to Fangamer.com. Go to the column on the right click artists and groups and go to space coyote and you'll see uh, a whole bunch of shirts that i've done uh, not just shirts but like i'm doing things like um, lapel pin designs and i do key art for video games through fangamer as well did the key art for uh, thimbleweed park so that's like oh. the cover art that's used on all their stuff oh my god i forgot you did that yeah. mm-hmm. amazing amazing which was a another dream job of mine because i am a huge fan of uh, lucasarts games and monkey island is my favorite game of all time and ron gilbert who did monkey island uh did thimbleweed park so i got to do work for him through fangamer which is really cool it's a great game too i played oh yeah i love it and you can call me in the game too Ah. because i'm a kickstarter backer and i paid for that tier wow yeah so look me up i can't remember what my number is but yeah look up nina matsumoto on there you can hear my message go to spacecoyote.com or net or ninamatsumoto.com. You can go to my website, uh, see all the things that I've done. Uh, actually, I have a funny story about spacecoyote.com. Well, spacecoyote.com, I'm, I'm amazed I got it to begin with, but I got it like a long time ago. It used to belong to some some band, and then they stopped paying for it. I'm like, haha, it's mine now. Mm-hmm. But then these a couple of guys who own spacecoyotes.com, mm. that's the homepage, that was the homepage for like their Vanity Press novel. Okay. Uh, they tried to like strong army out, out of g- giving up spacecoyote.com. They were like, hey, we have the worldwide copyright on Space Coyotes and uh, we want you to give up your your domain name. And I was like, there's no such thing as a worldwide copyright. What are you talking (laughs) about? (laughs) And I just talk about one coyote, not multiple coyotes. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I was around way longer than they were. So what the hell? Anyway, I don't know what... uh, Thespacecoyotes.com is gone now. So whatever. Uh, You've you've outlived them all. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I just released Sparks. It's a Scholastic Kids comic. Officially, it's ages 7 to 10, but I say it's all ages. Uh, Mighty Mo Sizzlack number one just came out. I have a story in that called uh, Mo and Barney excellent adventure it's exactly what it sounds like it's a parody <laughs> of bill and ted uh, oh i also i forgot but i also did the cover art for the disney afternoon collection for capcom oh yeah mm-hmm. very good i also do stuff for mega 64 sometimes like poster designs i did some plush designs from them recently and i'm very very active on twitter 
Uh, go to Space Coyote. That's Space Coyote, all one word, except the last letter is not an E, it's an L. Because, like I said, I snatched up the, uh, the name Space Coyote right away when that episode came out. But since then, there have been multiple Space Coyotes, and it's hard for me to get that as a username on stuff now. Like, every variation of Space Coyote I could think of was taken, and I refused to use numbers in my usernames, <laughs> so I went with Space Coyote. I know, I just joined Instagram, and I had to become real Bob Servo, because Bob, <laughs> someone took Bob Servo. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've had that since 1997. What's Aww. up? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. We'll check out all that stuff, and we you've done... Some so much for us like it's especially the the art on the patreon has is just amazing it's it's what makes us feel more bona fide than i for think sure. almost anything and our t-shirt that's uh, the uh ion yes. springfield, oh, yeah. or, sorry that. talking simpsons <laughs> slash ion springfield shirt which mm-hmm. is still available at uh mm-hmm. henry well go to tiny.cc <laughs> slash talking shirt that's the easiest way to get to it but it's on shirtsickle.com as well you can find it there so before we go, let's talk about our Patreon, which funds everything we do here. And I just want to let you guys know, if you want the ideal Talking Simpsons experience, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And for five bucks a month, I'll tell you what you can get. You'll get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. Every episode of What a Cartoon, our other podcast, where we go through a different episode of a different cartoon every week using this style. You'll get that a week ahead of time and ad-free. You'll also get all of Talking Futurama, all of Talking Critic. Uh, we're also doing uh, season wrap-ups and deleted scenes from every season so very soon after this episode posts on patreon and for patreon only we will have a a season wrap-up for season seven and a deleted scene special for season seven for five bucks henry what else can people get well you can get access to every episode of talking futurama where we go through the first season of futurama one episode at a time in the same style that was our patreon exclusive miniseries that followed talking critic where we also went through every episode of the critic in order Mm -hmm. not to mention there are tons of exclusive interviews on there at the time of this recording we've got david silverman dan graney mike scully dan graney the writer of this episode we interview him and talk about this among many other things and we may have recorded two more really cool ones at the time uh this goes live but they aren't recorded yet so i don't want to promise <laughs> you but we got some really cool stuff coming in the future very soon folks and it's all right there at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and why not just go there just to see nina's awesome art it's if great you haven't yeah seen it yet. i forgot one more thing oh, um if you're, if you're a fan of game center cx i've done a lot of work for them oh, as cool. well uh, i did the official uh dvd subtitles Wow. Um, I did a lot of, I've done a lot of official artwork for them. Uh, also, they discover me through fan art. Uh, <laughs> this happens to me a lot, <laughs> which is cool. Um, I also did a, a children's storybook uh, written by the producer and narrator of Game Setter CX, uh, producer Khan. Oh, that, that was released wow. in Japan, and then Fangamer released it in English, which I had translated to English. So you can get that from oh, Fangamer as well. Awesome. Cool. It's called I'm Stuck in a Video Game. <laughs> oh, yeah. that Okay. Wow. Yeah. So support Fangamer. Support us. Go to uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And I will tell you, if you've never been a patron, if you sign up now, I swear to God, you'll get 100 episodes that you've never heard before of a lot of stuff we've done. And the good thing is, if you sign up, you get a little feed. You plug into whatever you listen to podcasts with, and it just downloads them normally as you would download any podcast. Or you could just download them from the page. There are many options for your listening pleasure, but we have so much stuff there. Check it out at our Patreon. As for me... I'm Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts, and you can go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. It's a retro gaming podcast. I'm sure you'll like it. Plenty of people do. Henry, how about you? Where can we find you? At H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. If you follow me there, you can see tons of cool stuff. And whenever any episode of the show goes live, you can check it out there, including our Patreon exclusives. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time for Season 8's premiere, Treehouse of Horror 7. Thank you.
Teachers Club.